You gotta learn to use your mind. If you woke up feeling blessed situation. this morning, please put a number one in the chat. For you young niggas, you heard me? Just a number one in the chat. If you woke up feeling blessed this morning, was a prodigy. Possibly my biggest flaw is lack of modesty. Diabolical means, never knew college degrees. Sipping coffee at a cafe on college capiche. Niggas sold being sold. If you know you on your way, Roger Goodell, boy. Put that number one in the chat. I was really throwing money, I really saw Meech. And I let them rapper niggas get closer than me. It ain't about who made the most, but let's make a toast. I'm on my damn way, you hear me? I was self-made, nigga, never wanna vote. And before a record label shit, I wanted coke. I'm talking LA read the biggest baby face. It's for my niggas in the prison sipping Gatorade. All the hitters taking pictures for their babies made. Her baby mama's in the projects trying to make a way. Niggas looking funny when you dip their honest. I got a school of gunners that'll get them punished. Cause I'm on the streets that consider me cunning. Hit you bitches in the Tesla, the push of a button. If she got a pin coop, then she gotta be fucking. 50 restaurants, but a lot of me hungry. These niggas wanna gossip, I just want the dollars. All black phantoms going south from Collins. Feelings know we killing, so that ain't a problem. I'm gonna stack my money, be a better father. You could pat me down, but I got it regardless. Shades that I'm rocking, they gotta be goggles. When we plot to kill him, we send a few bottles. Set him up like Tupac, get him to rob him. I always love big shit, I did it big. I released Omarion, he began to fizz. Double them the kids, now we back to biz. 36 a brick, baby, here it is. My niggas in designer, but we militant. I got this city on my back, and that's just what it is. 20 on the dash, you still couldn't stop us. I just got bad. To my girl to the opera. If you feeling blessed this morning, man. I'm just saying. I might be the only one today, Dallas. I might be the only one, man. Did you cry for the man? Did you cry for the man? No, man, I'm in that number. Trust me. I'm in that number. Let's go. Been around this world so many times. I just love and love to about this morning man a lot to talk about if you ain't got no stingy energy can you please display that in the form of hitting the share button at the bottom left hand corner of the screen that'll be great that'll be absolutely phenomenal because guess what we got a lot to unpack this morning a lot to unpack and it's centered around having a toxic financial relationship with your money that's what we want to deal with today. You understand what I'm saying? And um, the reason why this is so important, you know, yesterday, Dallas, we really dug deep. We went real deep. I, I, I can't even front. It was it was uh, it was uh, it was real, real deep, man, um, on the mindset piece. But it was bigger than just mindset. It was more so focused on the trauma. Okay. Wow. Unresolved trauma. Yeah. 
unresolved issues that a lot of times, right, we attract in our lives. Like what we found out yesterday, Dallas, is that Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you take you everywhere you go. That's true. And so when you form in relationships from an unhealed place, Dallas, right? Ooh. And you thinking, you thinking the whole time that you if you leave this relationship, you're gonna go and find another relationship that's gonna be better or another uh business that's gonna be better. But the problem is mm. you still take you with you and you attract, you attract. What you put into the world The energy you put into the That's world crazy. Is the same thing you attract That's crazy man Thinking the grass is greener on the other side When you're taking some unfertilized soil with it, Soil within you That's crazy you, you see how that can be a problem? Yes sir So we, we unpacked a lot of that man And I ain't gonna lie to you uh, Dallas I got helped I got helped You know what I'm saying? Because I got That's some what things, B.O.B. all about I got some things you understand what I'm saying? That I be needing to uh to 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 recognize, put eyes on right. in my personal life. You know what I'm saying? About yourself. I, I, you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes you gotta put eyes on them situations. That way you can, you know, control um, you know, control that shit, man. And and that, and that go for everybody. That's crazy. Yeah. So it it was a powerful session, man. I I, I really uh enjoyed yesterday. <laughs> Uh, you know, Alicia came through. She she went crazy yesterday, you know, and, and and talked about experiences that you know that I feel like can relate to a lot of us. You know what I'm saying? You're a great person, man, Alicia. Alicia, the truth, bro. A lot. I, I think she slept on. Yeah, um, yeah. No, absolutely. people don't understand Alicia, the truth for sure, for sure. You know, absolutely. You know, so. Man, I, I don't want to waste a whole bunch of time. Listen, my name is Byron, real estate investor um, out of Houston, Texas. Uh, primarily focused on the wholesale space. Also do a little bit of new construction, fix and flip, new, you know, um, creative finance, pretty much all things real estate. Uh, new to the bill to rent space and excited about it. Extremely excited about it. I've been doing a lot of research and studying. I'm in study mode all over again. Um, more so on market trends. And I've been finding out, right, that I found out that a couple things, Dallas. So number one is the uh, the entry level home that that home product by new builders is becoming extinct. Okay, so affordable housing and is this for everybody in the room? Affordable housing is 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 about to go the way of the dodo bird. It's gone. It's, it's pretty much finna it's be gone. out of here. It's gone. it's gone. Yeah, it's gone. So 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 the only people who are producing these affordable houses, Dallas, at this point, are investors uh, that are looking to do what I'm looking to do is what they call the build to rent model. That's correct. You understand what I'm saying? And we got so, uh, Dr. Horton doing the same thing. They're going to put one million properties in the United States this year for rental purposes only. It's going crazy. Wow. And and you know it's crazy because now the the entry level home that a lot of people use to get into home ownership is no longer going to be available. Which 
it's gonna only have the only housing that's gonna be available is gonna be the, the you know the upper level most people's second home that product is gonna be available yeah which I'm I'm a little concerned about that because I really feel like it's gonna price people out of that entry level point and and if you ain't on own you're not gonna be able to participate in home ownership you're absolutely right we're seeing it every in the market as an agent um, man you used to be able three years ago two years ago you know two hundred fifty thousand let's go but uh, now man I think the average price of a home is four fifty. And with the interest rate being up right now, it just takes people out because of that additional two, two and a half percent. They can't afford it monthly. And, uh, you know, there you have it. It's uh, it's just an outpriced situation. Wow. You know, that's why it's so critical that we're in rooms like this and learning like this, because here's the thing. I believe Dallas is if we can position ourselves in that space we're going to be able to take part of an industry mm-hmm. that we're going to have a, almost a monopoly level control over um, for years to come because the housing is just it's just not to build something new at this point with all the regulations, mm-hmm. with all of the different things that it takes to build. It's not even going to make sense anymore. That's true. Unless you're running this play. That's so, true. It's gonna be interesting to see. I'm, I'm, you know, and 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 another thing I've noticed, uh, Dallas is the trends, right? Mm-hmm. So, so you have certain cities where this is going absolutely insane. So you have Austin, of course, right? You have Ooh, Dallas. Austin on fire. Yeah, Austin, Austin is insane. Uh, Dallas is insane. Yep. Houston, right? Uh, it's a lot of cities in North Carolina. I don't know what's going on in North Carolina, South Carolina, those those Carolinas. It's a lot of activity going on in terms of like people moving to those particular places. Uh, all of the Sun Belt. That's Florida. You understand what I'm saying? Tennessee. Yes. yes. It is insane what is taking place because a lot of people are moving from these big areas like the the um the, the west coast they're moving from the California, east coast they're getting out of there they're getting yeah. out of there you see um so so it's gonna be interesting to see what this how this thing kind of play out um i'm a student of the game i'm, I'm just kind of learning in my research and my in my feasibility uh studying that i'm doing at this current moment and uh, I'm just excited, man. I'm really excited to see kind of where this market go. But I do believe, I do believe mm-hmm. that investors that get into this situation early are going to be locked into almost kind of like a, uh, um, they're going to be locked into a very favorable situation that 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 um, that will no longer be here um, ever again. True. We won't see this opportunity again. And uh, I just think it's an uh, amazing opportunity. So You're right, man. Texas is the new California. Once those prices went up in California, they never went down. So if those who live here with us, Byron, in Texas, if they're thinking, I'm going to wait till the market cool off. Come on now. Mm. There, will, there will be no cooling off, period. There will be no cooling off, period. Yeah, it is what it is. Mm. Man. Wow. So it sounds like the middle class is really fading away, in my opinion. That's, a, that's what it sounds like. With these prices of houses, I think it's I think, about, it, I think you, yeah yeah you gonna have an upper middle class uh oh and then you just gonna have everybody else I think 
you know, it's gonna be a, the, 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 yeah, everybody else. You know what I'm saying? It's gonna be an upper middle class um, um, sector, from what it seemed like. From what it seemed like. Now, of course, and they're not gonna be able to own no no entry level house unless they get somebody out of one of their old ones. But but investors are buying up that inventory, and you know, you got other people that's just holding on to their properties because they know they got the dodo bird. So. Yeah, when you said that in my area, they used to have houses between like you know the builders used to build houses between one twenty one sixty. That shit gone, gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the entry level now, you know, in my area, I think right now it's like one ninety two hundred. Bro, it's gonna be interesting to see. It's gonna be interesting to see, man. Which, how you feel about that? Oh, how you feel about that? Hey man, it's life, man. Gotta make more money. Yeah, can't control it. Mm. No, all it can go with the flow. That's a fact. Or you learn real estate and go find your own deals. But you know, a lot of people ain't finna do that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. A lot of people not about to do that. But um. Anyway, good morning, everybody. I'm Neil Parker, real estate investor, entrepreneur, (laughs) also interested in the building rent. Also interested in raising money, private money to buy more deals, and uh, I'm excited about the topic. Yeah, man, it's gonna be a beautiful thing. I got it. Where, where y'all at right now in your uh, process? Man, I'm still in feasibility. Still in feasibility. Yeah. Uh, I anticipate I may be hitting that dirt maybe about July. Honestly, uh, I think July probably be the earliest I can hit the dirt. Um, and that depends. That depends. What, what I'm going back and forth on oh, is uh, I'm looking at my plans. I'm, I'm making sure that these plans are 100 on point. Um, because I now really, you customize your plans, right? Yeah, yeah, I customize. So okay. I'm working with my architect right now, and uh, I'm making sure that I got a plan oh that I don't have to change much. So as I go from site to site. Uh, I really kind of just want to keep that same plan if I'm going that duplex route. So I don't, you know, I, you know, that way it just kind of stay kind of cheap for me. And I can do the materials and all those different things at a good rate without, you know, um, doing the most. But at the same time, not doing the least, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. makes sense. Makes sense. Um, when I was at the gym yesterday, I was talking to an architect. He played basketball with us. He was like, man, I got a lot of plans y'all can pick out of. So, should be going to his office probably uh, this week or next week. Mm. So, you know, that's that's the opportunities you get when you put yourself in the right places. So, I know I mentioned it before. If you can afford the most expensive gym in your area, go ahead and go to it. Because they got a lot, of, a lot of money in them rooms. If you're not scared to talk to people. Facts. He said, give them to us too. We do some work for them. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Exchange of value, right there. Man, them relationships are everything. That's it. They, they, it's the game changer. It's the cheat code. Let's just keep it real. You know, it, it is definitely the cheat code. You know, I think Super Nerd said it's going. What's, what's going on in Canada? You, you just want to hush. You just want to hush this morning. What's going on? Listen, Byron. Okay, let me. Good, good morning, first and foremost. Hope everybody's well, blessed. Mentally, physically, financially. Um, Canada's trash. Mm. Um, oh Lord. Um, so uh, Canada, regardless of what province you're in, has some of the most 
inflated real estate inventory in the world globally um i had this conversation with somebody on facebook who tried to argue with me and tell me that um inflation wasn't happening in canada that we weren't already in a recession in canada um to which i politely reminded them that in ontario which is just north of new york and detroit depending on which side of ontario you're in the average income annual income for a single person is $51,000. The average home price is $1.1 million. And the average mortgage is $300,000. Um, oh so, my God. Yeah. Um, my goodness. Yeah. Like some issues over there. Uh, it, 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 listen, the issues have, wow. have, have existed uh, three years ago. Uh, the Canadian Real Estate Association uh, basically did like an audit or an assessment to see how much somebody would need to make um, and how much they would need to save in order to be able to afford to enter the real estate market as a first-time homebuyer. And the projected average age of first-time homebuyers three years ago was 41 or wow. T1, so cougars. And as of november last year that number has now risen to 56 um so basically first-time home buyers are going to be preparing for retirement and um eating cat food just to be able to say that they own property so uh when when you guys are having these conversations about like spending somebody else's money to like buy real estate like you know $13,000 flipped and now like you're making six figures a month Canadians just laugh in overinflated uh real estate prices uh the reason why is uh Vancouver is known as the new east so a lot of um wealthy Chinese Korean and Japanese nationals recognize that Canada has really generous immigration policy and so they started buying up Vancouver and BC real estate for cash in the early 2000s basically raised home values so high that natural born Canadians couldn't afford to purchase homes um, in one of the I'd say low to mid-tier neighborhoods in Toronto a house sold for $200,000 over asking it didn't come with a pool. It has the parquet floor from 1963. The low ceilings. The windows were replaced in 2002. Uh, it was listed for, I believe, $900,000. Went for $1.1 million. But at least it was more than 500 square feet, which is the average price for a condo. Not a townhome. Not a semi-detached. Not a fully detached with a backyard. A condo with HOA fees and property taxes. Sound like y'all got some New York prices over there. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, it's so if you're making six figures over there, you damn near in poverty. That's just sound like um, grand. From a housing perspective. Yeah, from the housing perspective. And even when it comes to like, uh, if you can't afford to purchase and you're looking to rent, um, I read a news article about a young woman whose lease had come up and a landlord was like, yeah, my son is moving back in. Translation, I'm about to flip this house. And she was looking for a new place. She literally had six days before she could move um, into a new place. Otherwise, she was going to be sleeping underneath a bridge. 
And one of the places that she went, the landlord was like, I'm so happy that your credit score is 800 and you have a good, consistent job. Um, this is how much rent is. Oh, and I need 12 months rent as a deposit. Damn. Golly. So, oh, my God. You know, yeah. somebody got to use a credit card for this shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny, though? Oh, I mean, it's not funny. It's funny, but not funny. 12 months up front. Bad deposit. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> listen, I, I don't listen, man. It's crazy as that sound, bro. It's kind of like, bro, we kind of headed in the same direction. I'm just keeping it a bean, unless the government steps in and just does something insane, which I don't doubt that they will, right? Which I think will ultimately probably exacerbate our already big problem, right? Is um and, and a lot. So one of it is it, one is is inflation. Right. So one that that's one issue that we're dealing with. Just just general inflation. And then the other piece is that it is no incentive for builders to build at the affordable housing price point. It's just no incentive. Like your profits are really made when you're going to the, you know, the upper to middle, you know, to uh, you know, to higher class uh property class. You know what I'm saying? That's where the profits are made. Like if you just if you just just think about it, oh. You get a property, right, in a nice neighborhood, right, where you get the dirt and you can build it up, right? Uh, you know, at the end of the day, you're just going to make more money per square foot. You're just going to make more money. You throw some nicer things in it. You know, the finishes are not going to kill you. You throw some nicer finishes in there, bro. You just then doubled up in profit. It just don't make sense to do affordable housing unless you're doing it like a, a build to rent play from an investment standpoint. It's the only way it makes sense, unless unless I'm I'm seeing some, you know. But bro, you know you make you a building, you making twenty thirty thousand dollars a profit. Some of them making like uh, uh some less making less than that. Some of them making yeah. less than ten. Why are you doing? It's a waste that? of time. It's a waste of time. You know what I mean? Take like five months, you know, yeah. build until and then you to got, make ten grand exactly. <laughs> when you can build a big house and make a couple hundred grand, it just don't make sense. Yeah, so, a lot of people surprised, man. A lot of builders are not, not making that much money. Nah, man, they ain't making no money, man. Like no money. Nah, you might as well wholesale that land. Yeah. You guys, want to hear another joke about Canadian real estate? I, I, I'm just sharing this that you guys who are south of the border, you know, y'all are grateful for the three hundred thousand dollar McMansions y'all can purchase because, like I said, Canadians are just up here crying in maple syrup because uh, that's all we can afford. Um. But um, major property developers who do like townhome, like complexes and condos um, are now going through a cycle of having people put down their down payment to basically secure units. And then basically they get people to buy out buildings uh, before they get um, zoning and permissions from whatever city or region that they're in. That could take anywhere from six months to three years. It depends. Who knows? Um and when they realize after three years and they finally get the permits that the budget that they had in 2018 is no longer the budget in 2021, what they're doing is they're giving people the option of either increasing their down payment, you don't have a mortgage yet, um, to retain the condo or they'll buy it back from you at the exact same price that you purchased it for, no interest, or they'll do that and go to the government and be like hey we need to file a chapter 11 we can't afford to build this condo building we were going to build uh three years ago and um 
the price is gonna buy seven million dollars so we just want to write off this entire building so can you uh go ahead and run us those adjustments and give us whatever government subsidy and uh we're going to do this again and it's literally been a cycle also carno developers in toronto not exactly the greatest like balconies falling off of buildings um mold when people move in the first day so dear americans um as you purchase homes for what canadians are just desperately trying to save as a down payment just think of us up north here in the tundra and uh say a little prayer that that's all i'm saying wow <laughs> wow mm. well that's crazy it's crazy dallas you know um but you but we can't act like we insulated from that kind of stuff from going on Dallas. i'm just saying man we 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 you know it's we got really a, happening it's, right now it's really happening we got a government that like to spend you know yeah i bought two rentals last week i had to call them yesterday like um the rent's gonna increase or you gotta move out i'm sorry you got 45 days <laughs> they've been paying 450 for the last two three years uh, and then the other house they've been playing 400 for the last 20 years <laughs> uh, what in the hell was going on there what do they have a, a, a studio no so one has a garage apartment two bed one bath real nice and then the other one got a two bedroom one bath like 1600 square foot paying four hundred dollars wow hey you know what's crazy right oh i was watching uh this uh thing on vice right and they were running a special on like rent increase and how you know some places are going up like 40 percent 50 percent so one of the ladies at the mobile home park, you know, they asked her like, well, what do you think the rent should go up, right? And she's like, well, you know, the past, in the past seven years, it's only gone up $10. So, you know, the fact that it's going up 50% is, is way too much. You know, they should have did an increment of $10 per year. I was like, what? Yeah, what bro. What's going to happen if, if everything else goes up? I mean, it's it's really just inflation. A lot of the a lot of the reason why it's inflation. The second part is just lack of inventory, um, especially in the affordable housing space. So it just is what it is. I you know, man, look, I I don't make up the rules. Listen, I just figure out ways to win off the rules. So I don't, you know, yeah. I'm not I'm not trying to like you know have a. It's just I'm not I'm not trying to save the world, man. I'm just trying to play the play the game by the game rules. That's it. Right. I say it like this, you know. You stuff already at the house. You've been in the house three years. Why not pay the market rent? Because if you what move out here, you ain't gonna rent? find you, you ain't gonna find nothing for that for that same price. So you might as well stop all the fussing and fighting and just pay me. Easy. Cause you gotta pay to move and you gotta find another spot and you will pay more than what you're about to pay. What is the market rent now? Oh, um, so for a two bedroom, it is eight hundred, and for three bedrooms in my area, like the cheap, I'm I'm giving you the cheapest you gonna find. Cheapest you gonna find for a three bedroom is like nine fifty thousand, which used to be like eight hundred like two years ago. And even that's cheap. Yeah, that, that's like the cheapest of the cheap. You know, that's damn near borderline. Well, probably is the hood price. Wow. Yeah, it goes up, but I just gave you the cheapest of the cheap. Yeah, yeah. They said we had the the most rent increase in all of Louisiana. An article came out uh, about six months ago. Hmm. Well, uh, you know, 
you know, listen, brace yourself, brace yourself or or put yourself in position to be an owner. Uh, matter of fact, I like that better. Everybody in this room, listen, man, put yourself in position to be an owner because I, I believe that the, that that shit is getting fucked up and the people who are going to be in position to win or be able to take advantage of these situations are going to be the landowners, the property owners, period, period. And if you're not a landowner, property owner, you, you know, you, you're going to be out of the game. And it's going to be hard. The entry level is going to be harder and harder and harder to get in. It, it just it, it just is. So so ownership is going to be key. Um, I believe I, I just believe that ownership is going to be key. Be be in the game. Don't be on sitting on the sidelines while this shit is taking place. I'm just saying, you know, With that becoming the owner part, though. You got to also lower your expectations because you're going to fight to get what you want and you're not going to win. In Ooh. most cases. Oh, Facts. Facts. I would also say if you're not in that position yet, you ain't got a big bag. Don't even buy a house based off emotion. Buy it off like it's a business. Like what you gonna do with it when you exit the house? That's not gonna be your final house. Just look at it like how could I make money when I'm ready to sell this house, rent this house, etc. But a lot of people buy houses off emotions. Paint gotta be a certain color, the bathroom gotta look a certain way. I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to make money when I sell this joint in three years. Facts. Yeah, this, is not the era, this is not the era to be picky. Get in. Hell no. Nah. <laughs> Get in, knock it off, and, and, and run the play. And run the play. Dallas, man, how you feeling, man? We we didn't, we didn't, man, we've been just talking, man. We got caught up <laughs> on this real estate, man. We got, listen, man, my guy Lowe's just joined the building. We yes, got Barbara Majeski in the building. Keisha Pauline, my guy uh, Rodney is in the building. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Rumity, Douglas, Tamika, Kevin, Kavon, Kavon Elizabeth. You know what I'm saying? We got Miss Super Nerd. She, she done lit our ass up on this, uh, you know what I'm saying? Canadian. <laughs> She did I listen, Dallas, just an extra prayer for the Canadians. That's all I'm saying. I mean, I, I see some of my, my wives of Canadian sisters in the chat saying Are you born and raised in Canada? Uh, Canada? No, 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 no. That, that's what I'm saying for another room. Yeah. Oh, you know, you might have but, to move on out of there. Uh, listen, um <laughs> uh, I'm 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 gonna need to have a conversation with Jesus before I start packing anything. But uh yeah, that was just just an extra prayer for the Canadians who weren't as wise as Tamika and company and didn't get in where they could fit in early. Um because now they don't fit. Mm. Like Ooh, high girl. school teens. Now they don't fit. Ooh. Okay. Stop mm. over here. Drop. It's Byron. Yeah. Uh, it's real to be. And, and from Dallas as well, man. Um, you know, we could uh, get your prayers, man, and uh moment of silence for for all the stuff that happened in uh in Texas. For sure, for sure, you validate. That's part of my uh, prayers. Uh, Byron, if you don't mind, if we could just do that right here. Let's take a moment of silence for all of those who uh, lost their lives. All right, all right, all right. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. I am in good spirits. I know we lost a lot of lives on yesterday in Uvalde, Texas. I also was not here on yesterday. On yesterday morning, we had to rush my mother to the emergency room, and I stayed with her all day yesterday, overnight, and came home about 4 p.m. only to take a shower and answer the phone that they've moved my mother to intensive care. So I'm asking that 
You will all be praying for my mom and my family. We do not know what the outcome of this will be, but we know God will win. And our expectation is just for that. So y'all make sure y'all praying for my mom. If uh, you see me jump out of here or something, it's because I'm headed that way. But nevertheless, I do plan on being here for the entire show as well as on tomorrow. So with that being said, she would want me to go on. Thank you. Thank you. She would want me to go on. Say that again. Put a prayer in there for Ashley too. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Gotcha. We'll definitely do that. Um, Man, we'll definitely do that. So mama would want me to go on you know and do what i do on a regular basis without making any changes so let's get to it let's do what we came to do you're listening to the bob morning show that's business over breakfast aka the place to be as far as i'm concerned where we talk about fresh perspectives on relationships economics and entrepreneurship bob stand up i need you to mash on that green mansion at the top of your screen please do it now so that you can be kept abreast and in the know of all things business over breakfast and while you're at it i also need you to share the room 52 shares come on uh the the knowledge that has already been dropped the nuggets that have already been dropped we should be well over 100 so i need you to press on that arrow uh that's coming outside of the box and remember when it's up then it's stuck i need you to press on that and share it in the hallways of clubhouse i also need you to share it on all of your social media and after that Text it to your friends who might be sleeping and slumbering right now so that they can get up and get this work. They're going to learn today. Y'all know who it is. It's your boy, Dion Britton, a.k.a. at Dallas The Realtor. You can reach me there on all of my social media. It is Wednesday, 525-2022. Get it how you live. Happy birthday to all of the made babies. This is a day that the Lord has made, and we shall rejoice and be glad in it. We're about to start a fire as we talk about it today. Seven signs that you are in. A financially toxic relationship. It's going to be crazy today. I cannot wait to hear what's going to come out of the mouths of everybody who will join us here on this digital verbal stage. Make sure you're praying for and following each and every one of them. And I don't know about y'all, but when it comes to these clubhouse streets, it's the B.O.B. for me. Let's do what we came to do, and that is to pray. Let's talk to the father and let's watch him work. And remember this. If God don't do nothing else for you, ladies and gentlemen, he's already done enough. Let us pray today. God, as the songwriter wrote, oh God, like a ship that's tossed and driven, led by an angry sea. Byron, we were often told that it was battered by an angry sea, but led by an angry sea. When the storms of life are raging and the spirit falls on me, I wonder what I have done to make this race so hard to run. Then I say to my soul, soul, take courage. The Lord will make a way somehow. God, we dispatch your angels to the shooting victims of Uvalde, Texas. Lord, we dispatch your angels to our Canadian family right now the name of Jesus today we dispatch God your angels to encamp themselves around Ashley God we dispatch your angels to encamp themselves around my mother and my family and we dispatch your angels God to rest rule and abide with each and every person under the sound of my voice who are hearing this live or who will hear this later today God 
We are here because we believe that you, God, shall do everything in your own timing. God, we find ourselves tossed and driven by forces seemingly stronger than us. But today, God, we are asking for your magnificent movements. We're asking for your courageous courage to lead us through the wilds of life. And last but not least, today, God, on every alignment, at every crossroad, God, that we may face, we're asking that you give us the testimony that God did it. And it is in the all-powerful, all-knowing, magnificent name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. And the B.O.B. Church, shout it out. Amen. And I know I don't see my sister on here this morning, but I have the esteemed pleasure to present to some and introduce to others this person here. Y'all already know who he is. He is a successful real estate entrepreneur who has built a thriving business in real estate. Through proven strategies, Byron has trailblazed his way to being recognized as an, as an industry leader and has always been a resource to his social media followers by sharing his strategies and real estate knowledge. Y'all help me give a warm B.O.B. welcome as I give him back the microphone to Byron Homer. <laughs> 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 Let's go, baby. Hey man, I I didn't know I didn't know Ashley was the only one that can get a good intro like that, man. I ain't hey, know. Hey man, that. I'm trying to spread the love. You know hey, what I'm saying? That was good. That, that was, was good. good. Hey, hey, how much that cost? Yeah, yeah, I might need one of them. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Yeah. I see you, Lowe's. I see. Yo. I got everybody. Let's go. You know, I'm the I'm the man that introduced the five heartbeats. You know, Ooh. all of the countries. Let's go. Love it, love it, love it, man. Listen, man. You know, uh, uh, Lowe's. You know, we was talking about, you know, this this uh, inflation situation. The fact that um, this affordable housing market is going the way of the dodo bird. Um, and how, um, you know, a lot of people, it's really just going to be priced out of that first home. Uh, you're not really going to be in position to get that first home. You're almost going to have to skip a step, uh, if you want to buy, um, you know, unless, unless you're just looking to, uh, unless you're cool with just renting on that first go round. And, uh, this is a real thing. I don't, I don't, and I really, I really don't see, uh, the trend changing. I think that's, that's kind of where we are. Um, and it's going to be a matter of how well we position ourselves as new investors to be able to take advantage of that, that, that calamity, right? It's a problem there. Um, and, and, and a lot of times the best investors make the most money in the problems, in the problems and our ability to solve those problems or put solutions to those problems is where we make the bulk of our income. What's your thoughts on that, Lowe's? You know, I just want to get because I know you own a lot of property out there in um in, in Chicago. I just kind of want to get your take. What you seeing in the marketplace out there? I um I'm I'm definitely moving heavy on my burst strategy right now. I um I'm not not so much on the fix and flip. That, that like you say that that market definitely slowing down. I'm in the middle of one fix and flip right now. Hopefully I don't have too much trouble unloading that in the next couple months once that finish up. Uh, but you know, when, when the times get tight, the rental markets go up. You know, um, definitely people are gonna be priced out. As y'all see, interest rates are rising. Um, it, it's, it's, it's not gonna be as affordable, like like Byron, like you say. Uh, but I do, st it's still gonna always be some opportunity. You know, that 203K, that's an amazing product, bro. 
uh, but they can get some of these deals off market that like like people like us that will be having and then they can still you know get home ownership through the 203k they can build some instant equity by uh you know by renovating it and have the government pay for it so uh, it, it's still going to be some opportunity but you know 203k at the end of the day that's like you using your investor hat so at the end of the day barbara you're absolutely correct you know i i like that 203k but what i've heard los um and i'm gonna mute you because the mic or the background is loud as hell um what i've heard about that particular product is a couple things right so number one is you got to find um um uh, a builder right you got to find a builder that's that's certified to be able to qualify for that loan no 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 that's not that's not true um, how, how that work i'm a i'm a 203 um I, i've been did that what five years ago we did two, so i'm a 203 specialist um you just got to have a licensed contractor bro that's it they just got to be licensed bonded insured mm -hmm. um and nothing more nothing less and then you'll you'll get a 203k uh, inspector assigned to that case and and that that's the person that's gonna make sure that that contractor ain't railroading you you know what I'm saying making sure that they ain't charge you umpteen amount of money for when the average job is just let's say to keep it simple it's a hundred thousand dollars but this person charged you a hundred and sixty thousand dollars so that 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 hood inspector is just to protect the borrower because they know that they ain't they not investors they typically don't deal with contractors and so forth um, but it, it is a catch-22. You know, the contractor got to be able to, to, to flip that bill because it's a, it's, a, it's a draw process, you know, it's a, it's, so they got to be reimbursed. So a lot of times, you know, contractors, they live paycheck to paycheck or, or job to job, just like people live paycheck to paycheck. So you just got to make sure, that, and that's the caveat, you got to make sure that that contractor got enough money to, to get to that next uh, reimbursement because if you don't, that's, that's where the 203Ks go bad at. I'm sure it's people in this room that had a horror story or know of a horror story like that, but, but that's typically the reason. They, they ain't vet that contract out enough to know he, he had that money because, you know, why, why, why would that contractor turn the money down? You know, um, my issue, my issue with that is that, you know, you, you definitely got to get you a good contractor, but a lot of the good contract, it's like contractors, you know, from my experience is you got two, two different worlds of contractors. You got the, the, the contractors who got all their shit together. Right. And they down, they're going to charge you what it costs to build, um, to buy a new house. Like, but, but when it's all said and done, you, your bill going to look about the same as a new construction house that you would buy from a building. See, I, I think it's three, bro. So I, I look at contractors like three. The ones that you see with them big ass signs and trucks and all this stuff and, and they footprint big, you definitely ain't messing with them. Not them. No, no, no. That's gonna be way too much, like you're saying. But it's 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 those in between, like the people who do our jobs, you know what I'm saying? They 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 not as high as the as the as the contractors who who build in these skyscrapers and, and, and some of these other new builds. Uh so you know, and then you got those lower level who, you know, who we use to, you know, be our handyman and our rentals and stuff like that. That's who you do not want to use. Um, so I, I think it's three levels to, the, to those contractors. Those, those, those super high, the premium, who, who the union workers, and then you got, you know, that in between is the people that I use, and then you got, you know, that, that last, that's Uncle Bobby and them who, who, who just, you know, can, can fix the paint or something. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The problem is finding that, finding them in between us, because a lot of times them in between us are just not easy for a lot of the, the it's, so I had a, uh, I had somebody try to buy one of my properties with one of those loans. And she went through contractor after contractor. The bank was denying the contractors. It was just a mess. It was an absolute mess. And she just never was able to get that pulled off because she was never able to find that middle. Because the contractors that I use, I would say I'm kind of like on that middle to low 
right? My contractors may not have all their shit together, but I get a real, real good price, and they got into they they move with integrity. Um, so I love that. I love that world of contractor. They they high integrity, right? You know, they make money, right? But they not they don't you know they ain't got all they shit together. You understand what I'm saying? And it's like yeah. you like the ones that are just happy to be working. Yeah, happy to be working. <laughs> <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? I do. I Love do good them. with them. I do good with them. Um, yeah, yeah, me too. That's why I went and got my GC license so I can use them and I can control it myself. But absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and save that money. You know what I'm saying? But then you know that that takes leadership skills. That take know how. That take kind of like being in the spaces and knowing how they move. You know all those different things. So, um, yeah, but you know, good, 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 good uh, insight on that, man. But uh, what, what, you know, what we talking about today is, um, you know, um, seven signs, right, that you're in a financially toxic relationship. You know, I was uh, talking with Diddy, um, and uh, you know, we just kind of put together, you know, we, you know, we always scouring the internet for some of the best. Uh, information uh, uh, to to bring to the show, and um, so basically, a lot of times when we have these toxic relationships with money, um, kind of similar to the things that we were talking about yesterday when we talking about like that trauma, you know, and getting past all of that 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 deep work and getting past all that stuff. The next thing is uh, 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 basically doing an assessment of how you view money how you view your relationship with money, right? So number one, if money is always on your mind in a negative way, right? In a negative way, then then you may have a, a slight bit of a toxic relationship with your money, okay? Um, um, number two, if you have no idea where your money is going, okay, then then you just may have a toxic relationship with money. Uh, number three, if you're only making the minimum payments on high interest debt, right, and you don't have a strategy with your debt, you probably have a toxic relationship with money. Now, here's the problem with this. A lot of times, folk that have toxic relationships with money are good managers of the money on a, on a, on a surface level, meaning they pay all their bills, right? They don't really owe a whole bunch of people. Um, but they don't have a plan for the money. So they may not have bad credit, right? They just may not have enough credit. Okay. They may, uh, they may, uh, um, pay all of their bills on time, but they don't have anything really in savings and they can't take that vacation. Right. Or if they take that vacation, they're going to be looking over their shoulder during that vacation. Right. Um, so, so, so number four, they don't have a plan. If you don't have a plan for your money, you're already losing. You're already losing. Um, number five, you don't know your numbers. Okay, so knowing your numbers is critical. Meaning, you have to control, track, and 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 know intimately where your money is going. Your debts, your expenses, your income, all of those things. Number six, you're stressed out about your money. Okay, meaning you. you you're just stressed out because you don't because you don't have this plan. You don't know your numbers. You don't know where everything is moving. You don't know these things. And then number seven, hope is a big part of your financial strategy. Hope. Um, so you're 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 hoping for the best, 
because you don't have a real plan. Uh, I remember um, when I first was introduced to real money management, right? And I would, um, and I got this app called mint.com. If you heard of mint.com, put a number one in the chat, put a number one in the chat. I just want to understand if anybody know about mint.com. Mint.com is a devil. (laughs) It's the mirror. It's the mirror. And, and so mint.com was super, super dope because it was, you know, for the first time I was able to easily track my incoming and outgoing um, uh, money. And it gave me insight on myself. Because a lot of times, man, when you're just spending and money going in, money coming out, you don't know what's going on. You just kind of like, you know, winging it and all that old type shit, man. Let me tell you something. That is the fastest way to have a toxic relationship with your income. You know, so what I want to I want to I want to just talk about, you know, uh, uh, you know, just kind of pass it around and see, you know. So, Brandon, are you with us right now? Yes, sir. Have you ever had a toxic relationship with money? And what did that look like? How did that show up in your life? I just want to kind of get some understanding. Man, I'm going to be honest uh, with uh, like family and relatives. I really haven't had. Um, you know, a toxic relationship with money. But I could say, like, when I was younger, you know, when I had a broke mindset, I definitely had a toxic relationship with money for myself. And it was really more so, like, just, you know, in my early 20s, just seeking validation using the money that I had uh, to just impress upon people, right? Like, just paying for people's food or, you know, having fun at the club. Um, and, and that's one of a big, you know, signs right there. Like if you're in a relationship with just anybody and you find yourself trying to seek validation using your money, you're just being toxic at that point because you're looking for something that you probably ain't never going to get. That is a fact. Uh, that is a fact. Um, yeah. So, so I want, I want, I want to move it around. What about you? Oh, you know, you ever had a toxic relationship with your bread, man? Always been tight like ass cheeks, man. <laughs> Always. <laughs> My dad told me when I was younger, don't buy shit you don't need. I was like, all right. I been like that ever since. <laughs> so you feel like you never really had no toxic relationship with your money? I don't believe so, because I was never the type to... I always watch my shit. Like, I've been new about Mint since, like, they first came out. They had Mint. They had a few of them. So, I've been, um, I think, a subscriber for Mint since 2014. So, I've always been uh, watching it. Why do you, what my dad told me when I was younger. Why do you think some people don't have, um, uh, I mean, why why do you think some people don't pick that up kind of early like that? Uh, it's a lot of few ways. Of course, the household you grew up in, how you grew up. A lot of people that didn't grow up with nothing want everything when they get a little bit of money. So uh, as soon as they get the money, they got to go buy everything they always wanted, you know, as a, like to make them feel better, I guess. But I don't know. That was never me. Mm. Wow. Yeah, I think I think that goes into like the mindset. Right, Byron? Like, you know, we always talk about like lottery winners. Right. I forgot the percentage of lottery winners that uh, end up, you know, being blessed with huge, huge amounts of money. And then, you know, you see them back back where they started. Uh, a lot of the times it's, it's those toxic habits that um, obviously they, they just they just don't know. Right. You just don't know what you don't know. And unfortunately, 
you know, you just kind of fall into it. So exactly what O'Neill was saying, you know, sometimes you start to make money or uh, receive, you know, a little bit more, but the, but the mindset is still the same. So you got them same toxic habits just pulling you back in. You know, you, you are dealing with that past trauma. And social media and everything making that worse, too. You know, it's making it all worse as well. That's a fact. So let's let's let's, let's dive deep, man. I want to kind of pass it around the stage, man. Anybody ever had a toxic relationship with uh, their finances that they care to share on and how they was able to overcome that? That would be great. Let's talk about it. Let's go to you first, man, before we go to the crowd. How, how's your relationship with money, Byron? You know, I, I would say that uh, for the most part, I've always had a generally healthy relationship with my money. Uh, I've had, I've had. So where did it come from, though? Where did it come from? You know, uh, I didn't always have it. I, I grew up, right? And my, um, my, um, I just always made money. So what I've always been, you know, fairly decent at since a kid is just making money. I've been making money myself since I was like 14, 13, 14 years old. Um, but I would say that I learned a lot of negative um, um, money spending habits from my parents. Uh, so I made a lot of money and I spent a lot of money. And uh, that was just one of those things that kind of haunted me. Growing up because, you know, I remember my mom, she was one of these people that had a very and she still, for the most part, got a kind of financially toxic relationship with money. She's uh, one of those people that's always going to have great credit. Right. Kept good credit, always managed money well from the perspective of she didn't like, you know, go too far in the financial ruin uh, for the most part. Um, but she never had enough. She was always operating from a place of lack, always operating from a place of lack. If you gave her a hundred thousand um, dollars, she was going to spend a hundred thousand and or a hundred and three thousand. Right. And, and and be perpetually borrowing that three thousand to supplement the 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 remainder of the money that she needed. You know what I'm saying? So it was always kind of like stretching herself beyond her means. Um, but again, always kept good credit, always, for the most part, kept, you know, generally uh, nice things. But it was never financially the most responsible way to live. And this was my entire life. Um, so I learned my my uh, financial literacy from from her. And so I kind of took that. And then, you know, on top of that, oh, um, you know, they would go to church. Right. And church at that time was teaching a lot of this prosperity gospel, right? And you should have this. You should have that. That was like a big thing. It's not as big. I don't hear about that kind of stuff no more, probably because I don't really go to church like that as much anymore either. But um, it was it was it was real, real big. Uh, I would say like in, in that, that early like 2000s, like that early 2000s era, right, where it was all about having the nice things like that was the thing to have all these nice things um and people was literally mortgaging their lives off trying to impress folk at this church you understand what i'm saying and it was just it was the weirdest thing and and my mom got caught up into that um the people that i was around got caught up into that real real heavy i to a certain degree got caught up in it uh, to a certain degree but the difference was i was always able to kind of i was just i just I, i'm a hustler you know what i'm saying so i was always able to bounce out of that but at the end of the day 
you know, it still has its, its, its remnants uh, uh, in your life. So I think um, I think that that was probably my most toxic relationship. But I've always been, you know, kind of like my mom, good credit, maintained everything real, real good. Now I'm on the extreme. I, I you know, I'm, you know, in terms of money, I, I'm very frugal when it comes to uh, spending at this point in my life. Uh, and I like it. I like it because I really don't have I don't really have nobody to impress. I don't give a fuck about what nobody think about me. Um, so um, now I, I'm, I feel like I'm extremely healthy when it comes to managing um, extremely healthy. I probably say I'm probably at the healthiest from a money management standpoint that I've ever been in my life. So uh, grateful for that. But uh, yeah, that's that's me, man. I like it. I like it. I think um, for me, my parents, every time we would ask for stuff, they wouldn't buy it. So we had to save out, make our own money, save our own money and buy our own shit. So I think that's what, uh, what happened to me and how that happened. But I also think that same mindset of me holding money uh, hurt me in the beginning of me investing in real estate because I haven't went. I didn't go to my first event till two years in. So if I didn't went to events and education things when I first started, you know, I made it may have been further along. Yeah, like Byron was going to them hundred dollar lines, you know, like many of us. Did Byron, did you ever experience the uh hundred dollar lines, thousand dollar lines, oh, thousand dollar lines, yeah. Yeah. So so I'm definitely of the era. I'm forty nine years old. So um definitely those toxic relationships with money my parents were like yours to a certain degree, O'Neal. You know, no, I'm not buying that. No, I'm not buying that. Me thinking that you don't have it. And that was not the case. It was actually being saved. It was actually being put away. But um, later my parents divorced or whatnot, and, and then all of that was revealed. And I was angry about that because I felt like they were keeping something away from us that we rightfully deserved um, but come to find out, we didn't rightfully deserve that. And sometimes my children remind me of me. I thought that my parents should be there for me for the rest of my life financially. So that was a toxic relationship as far as I'm concerned, because I was taught to get out there and work for it myself and trying to keep up with the Joneses. Many people on this stage right now have went through those phases where you want to be the life of the party. You want to be the one that's being pointed at for being the cleanest all the time, driving the best all the time. And therefore, you know, on the, you know, deep down on the inside, you ain't even got it like that. You looked apart, but you are not there. And I need to remind you that you can change that behavior today because where you are is toxic. Let's go. Facts. Damn, that was real. Yeah, Super Nerd, you say you had a toxic relationship with money. Well, let's talk about it. It wasn't toxic. It was more like I can Tina. It was downright abusive. Um, and I had no excuse. Dang. So <laughs> um, I had no excuse. Uh, so somebody asked me earlier if I'm originally from Canada. I was born in Southern Africa. Um, and I grew up with parents who went from middle class to wealthy really quickly. Um, and um, I saw how dysfunctional relationships with money can have you appearing to be keeping up with the Joneses, but can literally cost you everything. So I was really lucky that um, my father, who's now deceased, was really good at making money. But he hadn't learned the rule that it's not what you make, it's what you keep. Mm. 
And it's not just what you keep, it's how you grow what you keep. He just knew that when he got it, he spent it. And it was really important to him that everybody saw how he was spending it. So I grew up with this like super extroverted, flashy parent on one side. And then my mom grew up very conservative. So she was really responsible. She was really big on money management. But when you're a kid, there's a fun parent and then there's like the rule maker. And so my perception of money was it's just this resource. You get it, you spend it, and then you get to enjoy the money that you got. So I never really had those relationship, those conversations about how to manage money. I, I sat at dinner table uh, conversations and at barbecues with my parents' friends while they talked about buying million dollar houses for cash and while they talked about, you know, sending their kids to private schools. Um, but I never really heard the conversations about like investment and ownership and growth and um, ROI, um, probably until my late twenties. And, um, just to give people context, because, um, I believe it was Dallas who was talking about spending money, trying to keep up with the Joneses. You're trying to impress people who will never actually help you pay a bill when things get real. So, um, this also applies to entrepreneurs and, uh, this may not have been on the list, but entrepreneurs, if you don't know how to manage your personal money, your business money, always going to be funny money. Let me repeat that. If you don't know how to manage your personal money, your business money is always going to be funny money because the rules of engagement with regards to how you bring in income, how you secure income, and then how you grow income without having to work for it twice are going to be applicable in any industry that you go into. Now, I worked in finance. I've worked for some of the biggest international banks in the world, and I learned how money works because it was my job but it didn't really stick because the fun parent was still embedded in my psyche until about five years ago when um not managing my personal money um led to my business money being real funny and i lost 40 grand in a weekend on a bad business deal damn ouch in a weekend 24 oh, 40 shit. hours oh, Friday, everything was good. Sunday, I was hyperventilating into a brown bag. And I think that the challenge that exists when having these conversations about money is, are people exposed to not only how to make money, but are they exposed to education about how to grow money? Because people will tell you how to start a business online and grow it in six months and you can make six figures. Nobody really has conversations with you about the importance of investing and long-term and short-term stock and life insurance and ensuring that you have family, uh, corporate and, um, charity trust so that you pay less taxes. Nobody tells you that there are ways for you to manage your money so that you can put overalls on your money and send it out to work for you instead of being a slave to your money until you're too tired, too old, and too broken to enjoy not being broke. And I didn't have those conversations. I just had the conversations of, if you hustle, you get paid. But nobody said to me, if you hustle and you invest, you don't have to hustle forever, but you'll get paid forever. And I wish those were the conversations I had as a child. Oh, that's got to breathe. And, and you know what? That's that's crazy she says that, right? Because a lot of the times, you know, this, the, the six-figure entrepreneur or just in general you know, wants to look like a seven-figure entrepreneur and the seven-figure entrepreneur wants to look like the eight-figure entrepreneur. You're always chasing those rabbits, you know, down those rabbit holes, trying like, like you know, like Dallas was saying, trying to be the Mister Joneses, and and you end up fumbling the bag because you're spending more than what you make. So, 
I wanted to ask y'all, right? What do y'all think is more important, making money or managing your money? I know both are important, but I just want to get somebody's perspective on it. I'm, I'm team always. Uh, listen, I'm, I'm team offense at the end of the day. I think offense is going to always be. Um, um, the, the, listen, you got to play offense. You got to play offense, and you got to make the money. I feel like you know, if you are good at making money, and you're decent at managing money, you still going to be all right. If you're better at managing money, but you're not good, or you don't invest the time in making money. You're still going. You're going to be average. You're going to be average. You're going to be very average. Um, now, will you be able to maintain? Of course you will. But you got to figure out ways, man. You got to figure out ways to level up that income. It's just it just is what it is. Um, that's, that's that's my take on that. Hey, you'll be. Yeah. We at the top of the hour. We bro. are. Man, let's go ahead and get it. Do me one huge favor and then we'll go to the next step. What's Drop that? that beat for me. Let's go. Good morning. Good morning. We've made it past the first hour. It is now 7.05. I'm glad that you are here. I need us to get the shares up. I need us to get the shares up. Let me rewind that one time. I need us to get the shares up. We're at 73. We need 27. I need you to help me with that so we can get over, get to 100. And then I need you to help me surpass that. Also, there's a pair of scissors at the bottom. It will record the last 30 seconds of whatever anybody drops. And as you can tell by listening to Byron and Super Nerd and O'Neill, there have been nothing but bombs dropped. And we need to share those with the world. So make sure you click on the scissors and make sure you share that on your social media. And if you have not done so... Please press on the green mansion at the top of your screen so that you can be kept abreast and in the know of all things business over breakfast. I have the death stripe, the red stripe, and so you may not be able to hear me. It's gone now. So I need you to help me share the room. We're at 83. Give me 70. Give me 16 more. We're at 84. I need that help. I'm going to turn it back over into the hands of Byron. Let's get it, y'all. Let's go. This conversation is great. Man, oh, man, oh, man. If we can get to that. If we can get to that 100, we'll be all right with one with that. Say, man, we'll be all right. We don't need but 15. That's you it. know, all we need is 15. Let's 15 go, y'all. 15 people with no stingy energy. That's it. That's if all you don't need. share it, it just means that you, you're not a giver. And, and you can't receive if you don't give. Ooh. Ooh. I mean, it just is what it is. You're not a giver. 87. Come on, give us 13 more, Byron. I think we can get that in any second now. Yeah, yeah. We had 92. You know, this sounds like that $100 line. They won't move from the $1,000 until they get like 30 people. I need 30 people to stand uh, with me tonight uh, with $1,000. <laughs> I know God can do it. Come on. I know what he said to me. So Come on, y'all. We need six more people. There we go. There we go. I think we did it. We conquered it, man. Let's go. I love it. Yes, indeed. Man, so what we talking about is financially toxic relationships with money, and how can we break those? Um, and I, you know, on the second half, we always talking about implementation strategies. So I really want to kind of pivot the conversation to see what are we doing, what are we doing, what are we putting in place, right? To to pivot pivot these situations into something that is a lot more advantageous for our overall growth. And this is this is where we're going to really learn something because somebody going to drop something today. I got a feeling. I got a feeling, Diddy. <laughs> somebody going to drop something today that's going to be game changing. So 
what are some things that you're putting in place, right? And you've already heard uh, uh, some of the seven ways, some of the seven signs that you may be having a, a financially toxic relationship. Um, and that was number one. You're always money is always on your mind. I remember Keisha put that in the chat earlier about how she was always stressed out about that money situation, right? Uh, in the wrong way. Like, because see, all of these ways, right? All of these ways kind of operate on the opposite when you have a good grasp of your financial um, literacy. When you're, when you're financially illiterate to a high degree, then it's funny, Dallas, that a lot of times we, we have the same um, issues. We, money still be on our mind, but it's different. For sure. You understand sure. what I'm saying? Credit is a big deal, but it's different, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, so it's, it, it, these things go opposite, but it's almost kind of like you have the financially illiterate place where you're financially toxic. Then you have that median place where you're just trying to be safe. You're playing it safe. You're following the rules. You're doing what you're supposed to, and you're understanding the concept of discipline, right? Then you have that growth and abundance mindset. That's that's that that third stage where all of these rules are kind of flipped on his head. And now money is on your mind, but you're you're focusing on growing money. OK, now um, uh, um, um, you have an idea as to where your money is going. Right. You have a leveraged a, immense amount of credit. You have immense amount of credit and lenders at your disposal because you have places for this money to go. And you're your excellent money management machine in terms of the way that you kind of operate. So I just wanted to kind of give you that perspective as I read through this list. Um, number one. Um, so number one, money is always on your mind in a negative way. Number two, you have no idea where your money is going. Number three, you're making only the minimum payments on high interest debt. OK, number four, you don't have a plan. OK, number five, you don't know your numbers. You don't know your numbers. And number six, you're stressed out about your money. Number seven, hope is a big part of your financial strategy. Now. You know, it's funny because I was just talking about how that flip thing happens. Right. You know, it's funny. But when you are financially literate, hope is still a part of your strategy. But you're just hoping that the economy stays healthy. Right. So you can continue to grow or continue to keep on this pathway or keep your plan. Right. Um, and then number six, you may be stressed out about money, but in a, in a positive way, because now you're stressing about how can you grow better? How can you be more efficient? OK, so 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 the problems don't necessarily change when you have problems with money. They don't necessarily change. It's just the way that um, um, the money serves you and the way that your 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 goals serve you are different. They're just different. It's different stresses. It's different problems. It's funny because like a lot of times, right, Dallas. We uh we find ourselves in situations where um, we 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 major on the minor. Right. And, and you understand what I'm talking about? Yeah. And, and so what happens is a lot of times we will um, 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 we, 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 we have small problems. And my thing is, man, sometimes you got to really do an assessment of the type of problems that you have. Make sure that mm -hmm. your pro you got you got some profitable problems around you. Mm hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Make sure that you have some problems that are serving you and helping helping you grow to the next level. That's that's 
That's all I'm saying. But um, I want to pass it around and kind of just get some understanding as to how are you, right? Um, how are you in these situations and 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 using these these the the finally how did you basically how did you take your toxic relationship with money right and turn it into a positive relationship with money how did that happen that's what i want to know from the stage today is is it cool if i tap in absolutely uh man thank you i'm thankful for this room and um i think one of the biggest ways to repair that toxic relationship is to become self-aware to realize that things are toxic because sadly in our community you know what i mean like a lot of times we know what we're supposed to do or we know that what we're doing is wrong but it's almost like it's ignorance is bliss so like for me just personally um i was raised as a jehovah witness and the way that my parents taught me about money was that money was the root of all evil so majority of my life I literally thought like, okay, if you have money, then like, and if you have a lot of it, then you're like evil. I know it sounds silly. I'm just going to, you know, be honest just because I'm a honest and, you know, an open person. I, I literally believed that for a long period of time. Um, and if you think something is bad, you're not going to go after it. And then I learned the bad financial habits from my father and my mother. So, you know, my dad, um, filed bankruptcy two or three times, um, credit was bad. My mom was trying to manage the money, but she still had bad habits. So all that starts in a household, kind of like that psychology world, nature versus nurture. So like my environment was just a bunch of people that were irresponsible with the money. But how I was able to flip it around was me becoming self-aware to even know that it was a problem. And the way that I was learning and my mindsets and my um, and the steps and the processes behind it, I didn't know so the way I switched it around was first changing my mindset. So I started reading all the money books, you know, possible. So rich dad, poor dad, richest man in Babylon, uh, thinking Bible. rich. Um, this uh, Tony Robbins book about the the power of like uh, compound interest, and I just started becoming a student. Um, spent a lot of time on YouTube University, uh, <laughs> just studying like wealth, um, looking at different people, um, you know, that have found success and kind of like emulate what they've done. And the last five years has been an upwards trend. Um, but I think I'm, I'm a forever student and I'm, I'm still learning as I go. Um, and I'm, I'm still trying to, you know, take the everything that I'm learning and actually apply it. Um, because about five years ago, I started my entrepreneurship journey and, um, left the nine to five corporate world. And you know, I've had months where I've made 20K, but then I've had months where, um, you know, I've made 200. So it, it's just been a constant evolution and me learning ways to maximize, um, you know, like my profits and then learning how to manage. So now um, I have ways to automate like bills and like payments coming up. Um, I have ADHD, so my brain is all over the place. Uh, but with the systems that I have in place, I don't have to think about actually moving the money over. I don't have to think about, okay, well, what bill needs to be paid. Uh, automation has helped me. So um, just for me, is first improving the mindset behind money and then learning the processes um, and, and structure of like how to grow my money 
Um, and then me not having a fear of me not moving from a place of lack and scarcity and moving from a place of abundance and realizing that I don't have to do it myself and I can work with other people that have the, the winning game plan instead of me just going out of here and being a, a entrepreneur. Um, I definitely have had that, uh, had that experience. So uh, thank y'all for this room. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak. And um, I'm grateful for you guys. Absolutely. Man, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Anybody else care to share? What was your financially toxic relationship with money? I know we just got Brian just jumping the building. Brian, have you ever had a toxic relationship with money before? Personally? Yeah. Man, what do you consider toxic? (laughs) (laughs) It's it's blowing it all toxic. Blowing it all is toxic. Uh, Absolutely. I went through that phase in life, man. Um, How did you overcome that? Man, I got tired of being broke. <laughs> um, you know, honestly, how I, I how I changed that, I just started uh, hanging with people that were more financially successful, and they had different, you know, feelings and relationships with money, and it was inspiring. Uh, so, and that's one of the, the quickest ways to change anything, you know, hang around people that are doing what you want to do or achieved what you want to achieve. And so I, I found that they were doing a lot of things differently instead of, uh, you know, using emotions to spend and splurge on the things that they want. They leverage uh, their money to go and make more money where they're starting businesses, investing and things like that. Um, and I saw how they were still able to uh, get the things that they want, but um, usually from uh, from cash flow and profits. So that's that's how I changed. I just hanged around a different group, got inspired. And naturally, um, like anything, whether you hang around bad habits or good habits, uh, they usually just through osmosis, uh, they they rub off on you. Wow, you know it's funny because a lot of people have credited who it, put it like this: if you feel that the bulk of the reason you were able to become financially uh, um, literate, right, was as a result of hanging around new people. Uh, put a number one in the chat because this this is a thing. I just want to see something. I'm trying, trying to kind of just want to uh, do a poll real quick and see kind of where where people are gaining uh, the bulk of their financial literacy. I just want to see something real quick. If you feel like you changing your circle or upgrading your circle, uh, making some some corrections to your circle uh, was the main part of you learning financial literacy. Put a number one in the chat. OK, wow. It's quite a few people. Okay. If you feel right, if you feel that you came about financial literacy by way of reading books yourself, not necessarily being around other folk, but just kind of reading and doing self-study, put a number two in the chat. I just kind of want to see. Okay. Okay. You know, the reason why this is so important, right? That's interesting, man. Very interesting. I, I, I didn't think I would see that many twos, man, because, you know, bad habits are really hard to break um, because a lot of, you know, all habits are neuro linked, you know, by a cue, a trigger, right? And then an action. Um, and the reason that hanging around people that have the habits of trying to adopt is so easy I mean, it's easier, usually an easier transition is because modeling is one of the best, the, 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 the strongest forms of learning, you know, kind of like wax on, wax off. You ever seen Karate Kid? You familiar, Byron? Absolutely. 
Yeah, so that modeling, and that's exactly what's happening when you're, you're hanging around people, uh, other people, you, you model their behavior. After a while, you start to talk like them. You start to use the same slang and everything. You guys, jokes start to sound the same, all of that. And, you know, your your, your uh, financial threshold changes, right, as well. That's, that's, that's one of the critical things, I think, where other people can serve you in, in the highest level because a lot of times, right, we have financial thermostats based around our experiences. And when you start getting around folk who 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 their threshold, their comfort threshold is 50,000 in a month, 60,000 in a month, 100,000 in a month, 200,000 in a month, you can't help but to to change your perspective to a certain degree. You're like, damn, like, how the fuck is this? Like, are you serious? Like, so you're not comfortable unless you're making a million a month. You're not comfortable. So, so, so that thermostat is so critical. And I, and, and I personally believe, I personally believe that thermostat won't change unless you kind of expose yourself to other folk. That's why, you know, things like masterminds are so powerful because when you get intimate with folk that's doing numbers at that level, you, you never are the same again. You're never the same again. Um, because when you realize, wait a minute, this month, man, they not that much different from me. You understand what I'm saying? Because a lot of times when you see people that's doing real, real big numbers, you automatically assume, right, that they may have some special sauce or some special magic. No, like a lot of times they just be regular degular, regular degular, and they just figured out a little niche or they jumped in a little honey hole or they just believed in themselves. They believed that it was possible and they literally manifested this kind of money into their lives. Or they just believe differently. Or they just a believe differently. Yeah, a lot of times it's just a simple uh, thought process that it have you going in the wrong direction or the right direction. You know, um, it, sometimes it's little small tweaks and belief systems um, that could, you know, squander, you know, your financial success or catapult you there. Sometimes it's just a little tweak. Can you can you speak on one of those? Um, can you speak to one of those uh, or anybody in the room can speak to one of those like mindset things like the things that we think that you know yeah. so i i got i got one so here's here's a few you know and this is this is uh you know not to offend anybody in the room but um i'm, I'm gonna kind of clip a few things from you know robert kiyosaki and also one of my favorite guys right the late jim Rohn. um but i know jim Rohn said it best he said profits are better than wages uh profits are better than wages I remember uh, probably about three years ago, uh, one of my uh, friends, Max um, and and uh, and Scott, we were at a, a conference um, and they were really trying to persuade me to quit my job. At the time, I felt like I didn't have enough rental properties. I felt like my pa passive income wasn't substantial enough for me to quit. Um, by that time, I had let my wife leave her job, but I wasn't ready to leave mine. Um, and what they told me, and I, I had a, at that time, I was still uh, working. Um, at Exxon. So I was making over six figures, about 120 a year. And, you know, it wasn't a, it, it was a really good job. And I was just telling them that, hey, man, I'm doing both. I'm buying properties. Um, and uh, and as soon as my passive income gets to a certain point, which is my goal, then I would leave. And they were drilling me. They just kept drilling me and drilling me with questions. It's funny because they got a clip of this on, on YouTube um, and pushing me to leave. And they was telling me, uh, I remember Max told me, he said, man, I, I get where you're coming from, right? 
you know, you, you got you making, you know, some money on the on the side with the rentals, you know, about six figures, you know, on the side, and then you're making six figures a job. But look, you need to leave because I I don't think you value your time yet. And I was like, what are you talking about? You know, because the job I worked was working about 50 hours a week. And he said, Max just kind of put his head down. He's like, man, he said, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a back off. He said, once you start valuing your time, you'll get it. And it took a couple of years to see what he, what he meant by that as far as that I could produce the same amount of revenue or income only investing four to six hours a week versus working 50 hours and that time I would never get back. So that is one, that's just one right there. And that came from Jim Rohn uh, right there, Byron. One simple tweak that profits are better than wages. Profits are better than wages. Um, so that's one little tweak. That's one little mindset thing that changes. Another thing I know you've heard it on the stage is that, you know, if you want to go buy something, if you, you know, uh, spend spend cash flow versus the uh, passive income versus earned income. So if you work for money and you get a paycheck, you know, instead of spending that money, if you, you have to spend, invest in something that produces cash flow and you can spend the cash flow. Uh, basically, don't get rid of the golden goose, only uh, use the eggs. Um, that's another financial habit that, that really have you in a better place. So if you want to Spend, spend, passive income, not earned income. So those are just two. Um, and I, I'll think of another few, but just with those two. Oh, oh, man. Let me give you one more. This is Kiyosaki, right? And what happens is repetition is the mother of skill. Over time, these 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 belief systems start to, they compound. They build on top of them and top and top of each other. And eventually your whole belief system changes. And, you know, your, your thoughts or your beliefs create your feelings. The feelings create the actions. Actions re- create the results. So the third one I would say, Byron, is a, a real, you know, little shift is that the rich don't work for money. The rich don't work for money. What they do is they they create systems, businesses, and buy uh buy assets or create assets that produce money. So in, instead of them going out and working hard for their money, um, they make their money work hard for them. So instead of uh working for money, they they focus on assets. They build their asset column. So how do they pay their bills? How do they uh, uh, provide a lifestyle for them and their family? Because a lot of people say, I, can, man, I, got, I, got, I, got feet, I got bills to pay. I got miles to feed. I got to go to work, right? A lot of people can't even internalize how, wait, what do you mean you don't work for money? How in the world do you, how in the world do you pay for everything? Well, um, you know, the middle class, right? So the, the, the poor lives off of typically like the government. The middle class works for a living, right? And the wealthy, uh, they, they create businesses and buy assets. So that last simple shift is um, instead of working for money, you go buy assets. And assets produce money to do whatever you need. So those are three little things that, man, if you kind of start to implement them, they're just going to change and it's going to you're just going to have a whole different life, a whole different lifestyle. Because one of the big last thing, Byron, a lot of people think that to live this life that they want, they need to be making millions. And maybe, but most of the time, that's not true. Most of the time, most people, it's not the millions that they want. They want the flexibility and freedom. And for most people, I mean, once you start earning about uh, six figures and you can take care of most of the things you need, the thing that most people really, really want is their time back. 
Most people don't want to be stuck at work 40 hours a week. And if you take that simple concept and you can make the same amount of income that you're making now, but don't have to go to work or maybe work four, four or five hours a week, that's going to be a totally different lifestyle, a totally different lifestyle. And that that's the asset thing, because there are some people that can make a half a million dollars a year, but if they're working 50 hours a week, they still don't have the flexibility and freedom. So the flexibility and freedom comes from assets and businesses that can run without you. Wow. You know, one thing I love about that more than anything is the fact that it's that freedom piece. And it's the fact that at the end of the day, Brian, um, if you're making five, six hundred grand, right, and you don't have to work for it, bro, that's the that's the you know, if you're making a hundred grand that you're not having to work for, that's the ultimate level of freedom. Bro, look, I always thought that money was the number one thing as far as... Now, we're not talking about all the... No, I'm not getting technical here, but always it seemed like money was the number one. Time is the number one. It, time is first. I'm telling you, when you get your time and you can move freely and you really control your time, you can do whatever you want with your time. I'm you're telling rich. you, all of a sudden... Yeah, uh, yeah, you're wealthy. I mean, you're, all of a sudden, your eyes are going to open you up like, wow. Like this, is what it feels like to to own and control your time and not have to ask somebody, oh, uh, you know, when can I go on vacation? Or oh, I only have two sick days left, or three weeks of vacation, or one week of vacation. Guys, when you can step on the other side of the fence and experience what it feels like to own your time, the only resource that God has given us that is finite. Um, that's when you know, you know, everything just kind of opens up. You know, and so I um, mean, then you have a lot of more flexibility and freedom to go and get rich. I think in uh, Robert Kiyosaki's book, uh, Retire Young, Retire Rich, because uh, he has like 12 books. Most people just know Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, he was, he had said the problem with a job. He said, when my wife and I quit our job, then we got rich. He said the problem with a job is typically it gets in the way of getting rich because it steals all of your time. Wow. That is powerful. Um, and, and it's so powerful because it's so freaking true. And that is so true. I wanted to say something, too, on that note, uh, Bowery, if it's okay. Yeah, jump in. I, yeah, guys. I recall when I was, I'm a retired educator. And I, re I remember when I was working for the school district and what my retirement is right now, after 30 years of being employed, some of the things right now in real estate, I make. I would say about four times the amount that I did per month, per month, because I'm not tied to a, a eight to five job. It steals your time. I'm sorry to say, but it steals your time and you cannot make them the same amount of money. Another thing I wanted to share with you guys in regards to the mindset and things that you were told as a child. I remember as a child, I was told that rich people were bad. Uh, the scripture was misquoted in regards to the eye of a needle. It's, it's harder for a rich man to get to heaven than a camel to go through a high eye of a needle. I was told that, <laughs> which was so untrue. So the things that we were told as children kept us from accomplishing great things in life. We were told that you had to go to school, piled up, I piled up so many student loans, which was unnecessary for a master's degree another thing 
that's toxic that I'm still working with and dealing with today, whenever I get, whenever something happens in my life that I'm not happy with, I will use, go buy things in order to make me feel better. So if there's anybody out there that's doing that, you're going to have to do some self-help and try to get away from that because that will steal that will steal money from you and make you not be as successful as you would be ordinarily. And using that as a crutch, when you feel bad, guess what? You go spend money. That's another thing that's very toxic. And I yield the mic. Hey, Byron, that's funny. That retail therapy a thing, huh? That retail <laughs> therapy, boy. Hey. And so, see, it can be therapeutic and it can be toxic at the same time. Oh, my God. But but boys go search for healing with a new Gucci and Louis. Right? <laughs> It'd be a whole problem. Create a a new problem with the problem. Oh man, it's kind of like a drunk. Yeah. Is, is it okay if I ask Brian a question? Man, jump in. Shoot, Eddie, what you got, man? Brian, man, I, I just want to say, man, you are a big inspiration for me. Um, you know, I'm married. I got four kids, and um. I started my my entrepreneur journey, I say about six years ago, and the feeling of having my time was so free, me, me being able to spend time with my daughters, me being able to take my kids to school, me being able to prioritize my mental health, me being able to go to the gym. Um, and I had months where I was crushing it, 20K, 25K, uh, but I didn't learn the systems and the processes to keep it up over a period of time. Um, and I did that while married. I jumped into the entrepreneurship world while married and I made some bad decisions. I really didn't have too much counsel or like too many strategies on how to make it last and extend. So like from your perspective, Brian, like what's some now that I'm I've had to actually go back into corporate America just so I can have some more consistent income and kind of like redraw my game plan. Like, how can I make this like how can I make entrepreneurship and growing and taking steps towards wealth, how can I make it last uh, with the family? If if, if that's uh, yeah, that may, great question, man. And I appreciate the transparency, Eddie, and, and thank you for all of that, man. Um, Bless for you and the fam. But um, here's what I would say. I'm gonna tell you what I did, uh, man. Assets, assets, because you know, of when you're talking about getting rich, right? It's all about it's it's all about businesses and the velocity of money how fast like the magnitude of how big the checks are and the and the frequency right but if you're talking about uh wealth and sustainability i recommend real estate so real estate is not a get rich quick thing but it's like a get rich for sure thing so actually the way that i did it man i actually did it out of fear bro i'm not scared to say it in front of all these people the reason i did not quit my job as fast as i did is because i was fucking scared that's why because i did not want to be the person that like had made a lot of money and then lost it all and so what i did when everybody was wholesaling and wholesaling was really popular i came into the game in 2014, I didn't start put out content to 2018, and I focused really just on creative finance and buying rentals. I did not leave my job. I did not leave my job one more time. I did not leave my job until I had enough rentals to pay for everything that needed to be paid for. Mortgage, insurance, uh, car note, cell phone, all those good things, you know, food, a couple of vacations. That was my mark. And the reason why that was my mark, the beauty about assets and properties is that 
Guess what happens, Eddie, if you spend all the money? Guess what happens next month? It's gone. <laughs> Try again. It comes right back at rentals. <laughs> it comes right back. And that's when I left my job. And I refused to let anybody in this industry at that time persuade me that, Brian, you need, why haven't you quit your job? Because I knew things changed, you know, regulations and laws. I, I just didn't know. And, and my fear, actually, I don't regret it. I feel like I did the best thing because I know a lot of people that are in this industry that they still don't really own anything. Um, and that's cool until the market changes. Until, you know, all of the uh, the checks somebody was getting in that in their in their business, you know, slows up for whatever reason. So what I would recommend, Eddie, is next time, like while you're uh, it's your nine to five down. OK, don't rush yourself, man. Don't rush yourself. Do what you're doing. But go ahead and, and, and leverage that job to start to buy assets, start to buy things that are going to produce income every single month, no matter how good or, or bad you're doing in the business. So that's number one. Second thing is consider partnering with somebody that's financially you know, literate, because you remember the thing I talked about earlier about you become like the people you hang around. And if you have a, a, a business, um, a lot of times, if you're not the best uh, you know, with, uh, with managing the money, right? until you develop that skill set, you may need to let the person that can handle the money, handle the money. That's how they typically do in, in companies, right? You let the person that has a, a high IQ and a high discipline, um, you know, for that side of the business, you know, take care of that side of the business. So those are my two tips, right? Um, uh, so, but of course that's, that's, I'm not saying that's the best way to do it. That's the best way that I know how to do it. So buy assets, right? Before you jump back out there that are going to produce income every single month. And so if you do spend the cash next month, what happens? Like magic, it comes back again. Because as long as they have a roof to stay under, they have to continue to pay. And number two, um, possibly think about part. I remember, I remember my wedding day to this day. I remember we were, you know, we were at the, uh, in the front and we were, you know, they were asking, you know, the pastor was asking the questions and he was, he was making a couple jokes. He told us this, <laughs> this is funny. And, this can be in a relationship and it can be in a business. He said, let the person, he, uh, he looked at the pulpit and he said, one of you guys can spend money like blah, blah, blah. And then he said, and one of you guys are so tight, it squeaks when you walk. And everybody laughed, right? And so this is before he put the ring on. The pastor said this. He said, let the one that knows how to manage the money, manage the money, and you'll always have a dollar. Said something along those lines, right? And it's a real simple concept, but it makes a lot of sense. And that's really how it should go. Man, th thank you so much for that, Brian. And um, it's funny, when I first started out on my entrepreneurship journey, I jumped into wholesale, um, like wholesaling. And that's where I made two to three transactions. And that was my like best month ever. I made 20K. And I just thought it was going to keep rolling. I was like, oh, OK, I made 20K. I'm rolling. And then like months later, like that 20K didn't last. And I, I didn't have a system and a process set up so that I can like keep doing deals and I didn't transition and like think about taking my money and not just focusing on wholesaling, but actually jumping into assets. So I, I really appreciate that. It, it, do you think that I should keep going with wholesaling or do you think I should just focus on like taking that my money for my nine to five and wholesaling and then using that to buy assets? Oh, number the latter, number two, more money. <laughs> you can do more with more. 
so number two, if you can do both, do both. And uh, first, I just want to say, man, you not <laughs> you didn't do that bad, man. You only you made twenty k and then you blew it once. Most of us have to go through that vicious cycle <laughs> quite a few times and and feel a certain way quite a few times before we get it. So I thought I thought you was just doing that cycle a long time. You made twenty k, you spent it. You probably need to scratch that itch anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> That is so true. Yeah. Hey, Keith, Keith, how many, Keith, you there? My man probably tied up. Yo, yo. Hey, how many times in the beginning of, of entrepreneurship did you make a bag and you blew it before you start, you know, being, uh, I guess, prudent and, and, and reinvesting into the business? Um... <clears throat> Most I would say the worst, <laughs> the worst times was probably like the first year, maybe. Because when I got to the, the first year, I only did like two deals. But my first deal, I ended up quitting my job. And um, I didn't get another deal until a couple months later. And uh, But that first one, I had blew the bag. And then I put myself in a terrible position. Um, but the second year, we had did like 45 deals. We had a nice little deal flow going. And then the third year, we did 108 deals. So everybody's going to be different, though. You know what I mean? So... Um, I mean, I blew the bag a whole a bunch of times, um, not really thinking about anything because it kind of go back to what everybody was talking about earlier. You know, like O'Neill, you know, I think uh, I think it was Byron that was talking earlier. It depends on, you know, some people never had anything like myself. I never really never had too much. So you're naturally going to blow the bag. Blowing the bag at the beginning is not the worst thing because you got to learn somewhere. You know, everybody got to learn at some point. And get it out the way so that way that you can get comfortable with making the bag. So now at a point, like the same bag that I used to make years ago, it don't really touch my heart no more because you got to think about it. Your financial thermostat is raised up. You're used to it. So now you, you start off just making the bag or trying to make a bag. And then you get to the point where you're just looking to invest the bag and you're kind of more laid back about it. Um, as far as the job thing, it's definitely, you know, what you were just saying, you know, it's, it's, it's good. If you can get rental properties while you're on your job, but at the same time, I do understand there's people whose job don't really make that much money, so you're kind of in a fucked up position, you know what I mean? So for those people, if you can't get the rentals, go for the rentals first, of course, but if you can't, if you're not in a, a good job in a position that you can do that, then you probably want to get some wholesaling done on the side, and then you want to transition. So it all depends on where a person is at, man. Everybody started so different. Um, so it all depends on where a person is starting at. Yeah, I, I, I definitely got to agree with that. Um, you know, one thing that I learned in my transition, right. Um, uh, into full-time, um, uh, entrepreneurship is that it was, it was weird because like, by the time I was in position to quit the job, I didn't like it. it I didn't even need to quit because my time I, I had I had systems in place um, that just, you know, I had some dope systems in place, you know, just just keeping it real. I put some really dope systems in place to the point to where by the time I quit, um, I didn't necessarily need to quit. Um, so I would say that, man, if you have a job again, like what Diddy was saying, if it's a pretty decent paying job, 
I would always, I'm always tell somebody to hold on to that thing as long as you possibly can. Put systems in place that automate your business. Get good at understanding your business, understanding the flow of your business, how to keep revenue consistently coming inside of that business. Because wholesaling is one of those businesses that is, no matter how good it is, no matter how good it is, it will never be something you can rest your head on. I'm going to repeat this. The wholesale yeah, business. Put some horns. Yeah, yeah, I, you got I just some want, sirens to wake it, everybody up first. <laughs> yeah, it is never a business that you can rest your head on. It's not that type of business. You're always on go. You're always on that hamster wheel. The only difference is, is that some of us get, get good at creating a hamster wheel that produces more income. Right. So, but it's no, it's a hamster wheel. No, 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 it's no matter what, right? No matter if you're making a million a year or if you're making 20,000 a month, it don't matter. It's still a hamster wheel. Now, the key to why, it. Why do you feel like it's a hamster wheel? I, I think it's a hamster wheel because no matter your systems or processes, it's a people based business. And when you have human resources, human resource systems to create the income, people need encouragement people need coaching people need you know people need constant you know pouring into why do you think it's a hamster wheel i think it's a hamster wheel because at the end of just like what you said it's people-based right it's also a situation to where it is um um it's that's just it's the, you you always hunting a new kill right so any business where you have to hunt the kill that one time you slay that dragon that one time you got to go look for another dragon. So the key, the key is creating a, a dragon that you kill one time and then you go put that dragon to work and that dragon go produce more income for you on a consistent basis. That's the key. Yeah, yeah I agree I, with that. I would Byron. also say speaking business is the same way, Byron. It's like the moment, even when speakers decide they want to go and speak, they quit. <laughs> you know, they make it out there. It feels great, but it's, you know, it's a little bit of a grind and a hustle. It's a grusso. So it's one of those things, those systems, I have to have systems in place. And that's literally the only way to survive in this business. Yeah. Did you yeah. ask him? Go ahead, Keith. Oh. Yeah, I was just going to say, uh, I agree with, to kind of break down what you're saying, Byron, um, I agree with you 100%. Like, I think that, you know, wholesaling, it doesn't have to be a hamster business if you put the right systems in place, right? You're always going to hire people. So I don't care what business it is, whether it's Walmart, whether it's real estate, whatever, people are always going to be uh, coming and going. So you always got to get that in your mind. But to, to your point, Byron, the reason why it is a hamster business, if you never get good at turning that money that you're making, like you said, into some type of cash flow and asset. That's when it becomes a hamster business to me. Um, I know we always say that, you know, a deal come here and there, but I mean, let's be real. If you got systems in place and got and got some people, you'll be able to get deals on a consistent basis. But if you don't do nothing with that money, that's when you're going to be on that damn hamster wheel because now you're going to end up blowing it on something that you shouldn't have blown it on. Um, and then you're going to have to be right back in the same position again. So you got to just get good. And I'm, and I'm talking to myself. I had to do the same thing. You got to turn that mindset, make money and do something with the money. Wholesaling is not a business that you want to try to build a whole different lifestyle on because you're going to end up messing yourself up at the end two ways. For one, you're going to blow all the money. For two, 
you're going to fuck it up. You're going to fuck all the money up. And then you still ain't even pay your taxes most of the times. So now you didn't get here with a double whammy and you ain't creating no cash flow. Ooh, now you start. So now you put yourself in a hell of a situation. Now you can't even get a house. You might get liens on you. If you can't pay that tax bill. Oh, wait. Got to pay that bill. Uncle Sam. Byron, hey, guess hey. how I know? Because <laughs> it was me. I'm telling y'all what I know, what I experienced. You got to learn how to do something with that money. Hey, Byron. Yeah. Good morning. Good morning, man. Great topic. My name is Douglas. Yeah, I just want to share too as well. Um, my money pit that um that got me to wake up. Uh, when I came into America, twenty four waiting table at IHOP, and then got into the business I got into. And when I made my first two fifty, I was blowing money like there was no tomorrow. So one day. You know, 28 years old, I was looking at my 1099, and I said, man, where all this money go? And I looked, and it was sitting in my Mercedes Benz, and I'm like, this is so crazy. And how much would I save in a month? I was putting away $150 a month and made 250 grand in the financial service industry. And that's when I had that come to Jesus meeting with myself. And I said, man, you're just so dumb. You know, blowing money, spending money. So I had to rethink my strategy. And I say, you know, this is what I need to start doing. Before I buy any expensive car or anything, I need to save that money first. Start putting away the same amount of money. So if the car note is going to be two grand a month, I need to start putting away two grand every month. And if I do it consistently for six months, then when that time comes, I'm no longer excited to buy that car, get excited about the money um, that I have accumulated. Then another thing I started doing, I said, you know what? I'm going to start paying myself first because we teach pay yourself first, pay yourself first. I said, what's the best way for me to do it, to force me to do that without me having to give away my money to people whenever somebody asks me for money, you know, like a brother or sister. So I said, I need to trick my mind. So what I did was I took a a... a a mortgage payment, and I say, okay, if my payment is $2,000 a month, just using that example, I'll divide it by three weeks because there's always three in every month. So in this example, that's $666 um, a, a, a week. So I'll take that money and transfer it to what I call my bill pay account. So I went to the bank and I opened up a bill pay account. Just a regular checking account instead of using my deposit account because, you know, your income comes into one account and then you have another account that I opened up, say my bill pay. Because before, when the income comes into the deposit account, it goes out to pay bills from the same account. So the same two grand a month, you end up paying the banks that $24,000 for the year. So what I said, I said, OK, I'm going to take the deposit money, pay, put it into my bill pay and then pay my bill from that bill pay account. So when you multiply that by 52 weeks, then the money that will be at the end of the year will be 24000 minus $34,666. I was able to now use that to put away for myself because that's my money, the extra, instead of giving all that money to the bank. So that started helping me save money on a consistent basis without having to worry about 
getting rid of money. And when somebody asks me for money, I'm like, when I look in my regular account, I don't see any money in there. But then there's money in my bill pay account. But then my mind tells me, well, that's for your bill. You don't want to touch that money. So I say, man, sorry, man, I don't really have the money. So it was just a way for me to trick my mind. And now I do the same thing for mortgage, um, office. What happened? Think his mic. Think bill coming from. I do that on a, on on a, on a regular, and it's allowed me to save over six figure income every year. So that's just to just give you that. Love it. Thank love you. It, love it, man. We got my guy. Man, we got my guy Quentin in the building. You know what I'm saying? And I know Devora came up. Pretty sure she got something to say. Kyle, my guy, Marad, man, what's going on, Marad? I ain't seen Murad in a minute, man. Um, you know, it's funny because uh, Murad is actually um, a big dog here in uh, Houston, Texas. It's like a, a real estate. It's kind of like, I don't know, man. It's almost like a real estate fraternity. Damn, man. That's what it feel like. What's up, baby? What's goody, man? You doing all right? Oh, man. Yeah, I'm having a blast, man. I love your room, man. Your room is so powerful and energetic, man. I love the topics. <laughs> Man, appreciate having you, man. We appreciate having you, man. But what we talking Thank about you. today, man, we talking about toxic uh, relationships with money, right? And how we're overcoming these toxic relationships with money. Yeah, I wanted to add one thing. I think that was great what a gentleman was talking about earlier about getting assets, the cash flow, um, and also talking about wholesaling. And, you know, I'm, I'm a real estate agent. Uh one of the top ones in Houston and, and it to that aspect kind of, it's the same thing. I got to find a deal every month. But the one thing I want to add that, you know, we haven't discussed is building a brand, building, building a name for yourself. And there's a few wholesalers who have done that. And I'm not saying you're totally right on assets. Uh, you definitely want to, to build assets and, and cash flow to once you hunt that chicken, it pays you every single month. That's how you truly build wealth. But another aspect of that is building a brand and building a name, building a reputation in that deals start coming to you, you know, once, and that takes time, you know, it doesn't happen overnight and, and you have to be someone who's persevering and pushes through all the resistance and gets your name out there to the point where deals find you because people know that you're very good at what you do. And I know a few wholesalers have been very good at doing that. And um, and and also some other real estate agents who who built a brand, and that's what I've focused on in the last ten years. So you know, I just wanted to point that out. You definitely want to build a brand and a reputation. Can you speak to that, Murad? Like, how did you? What it? What's your philosophy on building a brand or a reputation, a quality reputation in that real estate, um, uh, that realtor market? Like, what what, what does that look like? Absolutely. Like, you know, in the realtor and the realtor game, there's about 45,000 agents in Houston, Texas. However, uh, only about 5% do 95% of all the deals. And 95% of the agents have done either zero or one sale last year. And you really can't build a, a, a reputation when you're doing, you know, zero or one deal the entire year. And then the top 5%, that means they're only doing either two or more deals. So really, there's the top one, one to one and a half percent 
are the ones doing 10 or more deals a year. So that narrows it down. But on top of that, you want to, to, to build a reputation and niche and niche is really good. What do you focus on? I focus on luxury properties. You know, I focus on high end residential homes and people know that I, I focus on that. But then within that, you know, always doing what's right. You know, people know I have a very high level of integrity. I will tell my clients to walk away from a deal if I don't feel it's a good deal. And, and when people get to know me and they see that I take care of their assets as if it's my asset, then they, they start putting the word out, man, this guy, you know, he did a great job. He took care of me. I've taken on some sales that were very difficult sales. Uh, some houses that people have been trying to sell for four to six years and I'm like the fourth agent they've hired. So they're already burned out. They hate real estate agents. You know, they feel like they're only out to make a dollar and could, could give a damn about, you know, their asset and what's most important to them. And then I, I, I come in, they get to know me. They see how passionate I am about this, how I market the properties and unorthodox strategies that no one else is doing. And then I get it sold when, you know, in their gut, they're already like, man, I'm probably not going to be able to sell this house. So, so things like that go a long way, um, and showing people you really care and, you know, you, you're not going to let them down. You know, I want people to maximize the, the value of their, of their property, but at the same time, I don't have a magic wand. Some people want unrealistic prices. So I gotta, you know, find that good in between and let them know, look, this is what we can likely sell your property for. And, and I want to maximize, I don't want to leave money on the table. So, um, building a reputation is very important. And, and when you're able to help people and help them get what they want, eventually you get what you want. You know, it's funny because you sold my first flip. I know, man, <laughs> that was great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. It's good when you're on the stage with people that you'd have made money with, man, that's crazy. That was, that was great, man. You introduced me to a lot of people too, Byron. I really appreciate yeah. you. Oh, that is so dope, man. This is dope. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's funny because, like, I've made money with a lot of people on this stage. Um, and that's that's a dope feeling. That's a real, real dope feeling. You know, Q, I done made money with Q. You know what I I'm know, saying? man. It, it, it's crazy, man, like how I work like that. You know, it's a blessing. Um, yes, sir. Wow. So, yeah, man. So, 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 so any, you know, I know we're at the top of the hour, man. If we can get everybody to uh, share the room, you know, just, just, you know, it just practice a little bit of no stingy energy. I'm telling you, moving, moving in a spirit of no stingy energy will maximize. It will maximize your opportunity. I'm telling you, this is not my opinion. This is a fact. This is a fact. When you when you move in a spirit of the give, in the spirit of the poor in, it will always be an investment that you're creating where you can make a withdrawal, right? Um, out of that investment. It's just the way it works. This it's it's law. It's law. When you move with no stingy energy, right? When you move with no stingy energy, um, good things come as a result of that. I promise you that's a fact. That is an absolute Dallas. Did I lie to anybody? I just want to make sure that I'm not, I'm not lying or, or telling somebody. Man, you told the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help me, God, you did it. You understand what I'm talking about? You ever been in that situation where you've you've moved with no stingy energy and found yourself in in, in a blessed situation full of abundance where you was able to? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Man, so it's so much better to give. That's biblical. It's better to give than to receive. Um, when you give, God will give it back to you. Press down. 
uh, shaken together and running over shall men give into your bosom. And, and please take gender out of that. You know, you just going to get when you give. You feel me? Absolutely. So I appreciate the people is, who have man. shared the room. I appreciate the people that have shared man, the room. Man, I appreciate them too. We at 160. I ain't even, I can't trip about that at all. But uh, do me a favor. We're at the top of the beat, man. Uh, top of the hour. Drop that beat for me. Man, it's on the way. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's eight o'clock straight up. You already know what it is. Eight is God's number of new beginning. In case you don't know that uh, study study on the numerology of God. Eight is God's number of new beginning. And we hit it right on the head. So in this last half hour, we're going to go to another level. I love when we talk about application, meaning what can you do with the information that has been given to take you to the next level? So please, ma'am, please, sir, govern yourselves accordingly. I need everybody in the building to press on that green mansion at the top of your screen that looks like a Monopoly hotel. I need you to do it now if you have not done so. Join the club so that you can be kept abreast and in the know of all things business over breakfast. And while you're at it, we are at 168 but we need to be over 200. There are 400. Uh, I see 400 people in the chat chatting, but I need you to go ahead and share the room. I need you to do it right now. It's 169 right now. And we got to get past that 200. That's the arrow coming out of the box. And remember when it's up, then it's stuck. And also there's a pair of scissors there with the number 39. When someone is talking that good stuff, which we've had on the stage all morning long, you need to clip it with those shears, clip it with those scissors and post that to your social media so that people can know without joining exactly what we're talking about as a teaser. It's like a preview to a great movie. I want to see you share the room. I want to see you clip the room and then we're going to go from there. Remember this. I love you. God loves you and there ain't a thing that you can do about it. Back to you, Byron. Y'all be blessed. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Planning, Dallas. Planning is where we need to go. Exactly. Planning. What, what are you doing? What's the plan? What is the game plan for your money? What is the game plan for your energy, your time? Okay. Planning. We got to dive deep on this because I feel like this is one of them ones, man. There's a lot of people moving with that hope strategy, Dallas. There's a lot of people moving with that, yeah, man. I think if I can, if I can. Yeah. Yeah. Those yeah. who, those who fail to plan, plan to fail. Mm. Without even thinking about it. If you don't sit there and actually have something, a map of where you're going, you're going to fail each and every time. The Bible tells us that the people perish for the lack of knowledge. If you don't, educate yourself on the next level in which you uh, are contemplating on going uh, you really need to do that so yeah man i can't wait for this next portion let's go hey dallas hey i just popped in at the right time you Ooh, know, we. You know uh oh people, let's go lopes you no know, people always you know throwing this jose four and six out and and, and, and ain't nothing wrong with it. i love the scripture you know what i'm saying but that last part y'all always stop that you know be, be perished because of lack of knowledge that very next line after that uh after that comma it says what because when you was presented with knowledge you rejected knowledge and, and it's important that we understand that because we get up here and we talk and everybody think it's a scam everybody don't want to move forward you right we tell you every time we tell you we got an opportunity y'all don't want to take it y'all reject the knowledge and that's why y'all perishing man it's not just for the lack of knowledge it's because you rejecting it and, and i just want to make sure that we highlight that last 
part of that that uh that scripture because it's very important you're right hosea four and six y'all go read that you're seriously on to something right there los i appreciate you for illuminating that you know what los it's funny too the funny part about that is how, people think that they reject it by saying no but a lot of times it's just by not taking action and not having a plan that's Absolutely. rejection within itself. Absolutely. Absolutely. You understand what I'm saying? It don't have to be loud. It don't have to be boisterous. It could just be simple as you just not taking action and you not having a plan. But Byron, you also know fear of success is also a thing. So that keeps people in the scarcity mindset. You see, and that's, you know, but that's a mindset thing. That's a mindset thing. But I'm talking about, you know, we talked about that too deeply uh, yesterday when we was talking about this trauma situation. We're going to run that room back, damn it. We're running that back. That was a powerful room. Because, sure. because I didn't know, Dallas, I didn't know the whole time that a lot of people can't even get to this strategy stuff because of all of that, that deep work that they ain't done yet. It's right, a lot of man. deep work that we need to get done. You know, God, dog. that's serious right there. I'm glad you brought that up. That deep work is that midnight hour when you're not working on your RGAs, the revenue generating activities. That deep work takes place after you have worked a solid day and been productive. You know, you have to work after you work. And a lot of people don't get that, Byron. Facts. But planning, people planning. Um, what are we doing? What does planning look like? Right. For you. Um, what what is the plan? What is the game plan to get you to that next level? How are you putting those things in place when you're strategizing? What does that strategy look like? What is that that time away to try to put that together look like? That's what I want to dive deep on. I'm going to start with myself. I'm going to start with myself. I'm real big on conversation. My my the best ways for me to come up with strategy is to get around some high level thinkers, some brilliant minds, the most brilliant minds I could possibly find on the planet. I'm going to sit in their face and we're going to talk. That's 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 the beginning of my planning phase. And what I want to talk about uh, initially is 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 opportunity. Right. I want to talk reality first, get reality out the way. And then I want to talk about all of the things that I got in my mind. Right. All of the things that I've jotted down in my journal when I'm just randomly just kind of matter of fact, number one thing, everybody get you a journal, get you some type of journal. I've been using an app called Day One. It's a wonderful, powerful app. Um, it's called Day One from the App Store. Um, and I, you know, anytime I get these little random ideas, I jot that down. Some folk may use a, a physical journal. You need a journal because you have brilliant million dollar ideas that are popping into your brain that you forget. And that's your fault. You fucking up. You, you, you're doing the world a disservice by, by that, by that action right there. That, that simple action right there. You're dropping the ball. So you need to jot those things down and you also need to uh, have a way to kind of record those things. Because guess what? When you have those conversations, now you got some, a, a Rolodex to be able to pull from. You literally can go in and you can st when you start thinking about where's where's my next goal? Where's my next plan? Where am I headed? Right. Uh, and you start talking about it. So I start with conversation and then I move from conversation to clarity. Right. I try to I, I clean up that idea and try to figure out ways to. Um, 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 start putting systems in place for that idea, meaning 
when I'm looking at systems, I'm thinking about who, what resources I have access to from a financial standpoint, right? To be able to pull this idea off. What people I need to put in place to be able to put this, this idea in place. What tech I got access to that I can automate some of the systems that I want to have in place, right? And then I want to look at the budget. I want to look at the budget that I'm going to be dealing with in order to make this happen. And then what is going to be the return on my investment after I put this plan in place, after I put this time. Now, I look at all of these things. I look at all these things. Then I say to myself, self, now, what is the time on investment for this particular idea? Is this is this particular idea going to be a good, healthy return uh, on my time investment that I invest into this particular uh, deal? If it makes sense from a time perspective, then I move into does this financially make sense for me to be able to do? And then from that point, I'm I'm to I'm not you listen there all wheels to the ground, ten toes down, and I'm 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 running my race. I'm running my race. That's what planning looks like for me. Um, so I, I want to pass it around and just kind of see. Wait, 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 Byron. That's the play, y'all. We just had a little masterclass. If y'all didn't clip that, every little bit of those steps, Byron, that is the play. That's that's the reality. I've Clip done it a million it, times. You know. So I, w- I want to pass it around. What what does that planning phase look like? What does that planning phase look like for you? I'm in my planning phase right now. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. I, uh, I'm on my way to Jamaica. I travel once a month so I can gain clarity, put a new plan together, whatever that look like, whether it's a new business, marketing plan, ways to, you know, improve my, my morale inside my company. Me and Candace, we travel once a month so we can gain that clarity. So right now I'm on my way to Jamaica so we can come back. We just, you know, we just started a new business. I'm about to open another smoothie, RX downtown Chicago. I need time to put that together. So that's what I'm going to do right now. So what, 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 how important is that clarity piece for you, Lowe? Because see, a lot of folk be slipping on that clarity piece. Can you give us some insider on that clarity piece? Why, why is that so important? Man, you know, I can only speak from my perspective. You know, I got a lot going on, you know. Uh, so it, it's easy for that to get, you know, all bottled up and missed around and missed and, and all that stuff. So, you know, you know at, at a couple times per year, I, you need to, you know, sit back and do a reset. And, and, and look at at least for me, I, and look at everything that, that that we got going on. Look at you know how it's performing because if I don't know how things performing, I, I I ain't clear on what's going on in all of my businesses. So I, I need that time where my phone's not ringing. I don't have these uh, stresses from the day to day business. I, I need to go get away so I can put all this shit in perspective. This clarity is probably one of the most important things for us in our business. Wow. You know, it's funny because uh, I was just talking to Brian, you know, about the same thing. And that clarity piece, let me tell you something. That clarity piece is so important because what happens a lot of times, right, as entrepreneurs um, is we get busy. We get real, real busy doing the work, doing all of these little things. We get busy in our business. And, And a lot of times in that business, we're thinking that we're moving the needle forward, but we're not. We're not moving the needle forward. We're busy as hell, right? We working our ass off and we think that our business is growing as a result of us being busy doing all of this work. And a lot of times, just because you're busy don't mean that you're being productive, don't mean that you're growing. Sometimes that's just a coping mechanism. It's a distraction. 
It's a coping mechanism for you to not face the facts of your business. A lot of people are afraid to have moments of clarity because they don't want to look at their business for what it is. It may not be doing as good as it need to be in this particular area. They may need to have that conversation with Susie because Susie over there fucking up. Right. And you don't want to have that conversation. So instead of having that conversation, you busy. You, 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 you don't have clarity. You, you afraid of clarity because you don't want to look at that budget. That budget may not look as good as it, it, it need to be looking. You know, what's funny about the lack of clarity. Most of the time when you don't have clarity, you're confused. And when you're confused, usually you don't take action. You know, Byron, it's Victoria speaking. I, for those who are looking for me, I, I don't know where I'm on stage, but I've got a green background with a red dress on. I think if, as an entrepreneur, one of the things that I see most is there is no clear mission and vision. When you don't have, it's kind of like as a kid, my dad was a Baptist minister, and you hear if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And I think when we're talking about clarity, what when you are planning, what is your litmus test to that planning? What is your overall goal? If we start with the result in mind, for instance, I want to help heart-centered entrepreneurs, speakers, and coaches have more income and impact. That is my test. So if I'm doing something and it doesn't meet that test, then I don't need to be doing it. And I think that's where clarity comes in. What is your vision? What is your mission? And it can change and you can have a couple of things going on, right? Because I, But you have to have a bar. And by the way, your plan B is your goal. When, you know, I'm one of those burn the boats because that way I will figure out how to get around to make my plan A happen. And you just got to have that clarity and you got to have that test. This is my result. This is what I want. And now everything else, the action takes, you'll start taking to get there. And that's how I do my planning. I want to go back to the fact that a lot of folk, you know, Lowe's brought up something that was real, real powerful. Right. And, um, and, and, and it goes back to, keeping it real with yourself, keeping it real with you, you know, just being honest, man, about what you really got going on, man. Listen, man, listen. Sometimes, man, people fear clarity because they don't want to deal with the realities of their business. They don't want to do it, man. You know, Susie been needing to get fired. You don't want to deal with that shit. Right. That budget need you. You've been needing to cut, make some cuts to that budget. You don't want to do that shit. So you busy. Um, That business idea may not even be the business. That business venture may not be a business venture that you need to be a part of. You may need to drop it and double down on what you really, really good at. But you don't want to have that conversation. You don't want that clarity. So you busy. You working your ass off. You 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 sending emails, you checking emails, you you faxing documents and you busy, 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 um, not making clear, not getting clarity and having clear, uh, clear, making clear decisions in your business. I know I'm speaking to somebody right now. I know I'm speaking to somebody right now because the, here's the thing. Clarity, and, and, and when Lowe said that once a month, you got to understand. You got to understand the type of balls it takes for you to look your business in the eye every single month, right? 
meaning because when you when you make when you have clarity clarity is going to force you to fucking move you got to make a decision when you get clarity and you look in your business in the eyeball and you looking at it directly for what it is and what it ain't you are forced to make decisions and a lot of people are are not growing in their businesses because they are afraid of the decisions that need to be made for them to be great. They're afraid. You know what you need to do, but you're afraid of it, right? And that, that's the reason why some people are successful in business and some people aren't, because they get when when they when when the rubber meets the road, right? And it's time to get that clarity, they don't want to see what they what they looking at. They don't want to make those decisions. They want to waver. So I know I helped somebody with that, but planning, planning with you can't get to that plan piece until you get that clarity piece because your plan is going to be all fucked up because you're going to be making decisions based off flawed, flawed clarity from jump. And now, again, you're just going to be it's going to be all messed up. You have to have clarity. Then you make your plan. So let's talk about it. anybody ever been in that situation before. Let's 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 dive deep on this. This is AJ. Um, I've been in this situation before. So I started. I have a staffing agency, and I started it out as a temporary staffing agency. I was hardworking. I was dedicated. I was like, "This is a business. I'm doing things. I got it." And I wasn't focused. I wasn't planning as much as I should, and I just I didn't want to you know, really look at my business for what it was and see that I was actually failing, see that I actually was paying more money than I was bringing in. And I lost over $50,000. And what that told me <laughs> is that I had to go and strategize and come up with a different way to run my business. So I try to tell people like exactly what you're saying is that you have to, even though you're scared of it, and if you're scared of it, you know, if you're scared of looking at your business for what it is, you probably have that issue in your personal life as well. I always believe that the way you do one thing is the way you'll do everything. So you probably have that, you know, same issue in some area of your personal life. So I really had to go get me together as a whole. And then I had to repivot my entire business, like literally flip my business upside down and go at it a completely different way. I spent all this money on coaches and trainings and things like that, but I was doing everything wrong. And so I was doing it wrong for over a year. I wish that I would have took the time to understand like, yes, you have the discipline. Yes, you have the control to, you know, stay focused on what you're doing, but you need to also reflect and think back on what you're doing and actually look at everything in your business that's happening for what it is so that you're not, you know, moving in the wrong direction when your success is on the other side. So I totally agree. I have absolutely been there before. Thank you. This is AJ. I give my mic. AJ, what are some of the things you put in place to get yourself out of that situation? Or what 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 did you just hit the brick wall and had to face it? How, how did that work out for you? How did you get there? Yeah, so I talked about it before. I was actually facing homelessness um, when I found out that I was spending too much money on my business. So what I had to do, um, I'm a firm believer in planning as well, but I'm a firm believer in just literal reflection. So I looked at the clients that I was bringing in, and even though the money was good, it wasn't enough for what I initially invested, and it's not enough to keep my family and everything afloat. So I had to look at 
you know, um, what it is that I actually wanted. What was my reason for actually starting the business? What is my why? And pivot everything to focus on that. And then from there, I just, I just, I don't know. I don't know how to exactly describe it, but literally I just, um, I flipped everything over. I went and invested in a different type of training, something that was better suited for me and my like way of thinking, my hustle type, like it was better for me. And then I felt better being compensated for the the type of candidates and the companies that I was hiring for. I thought I, actually it's like I was doing like low hanging fruit when I first started and my cause, my why behind my business called me to um, hire for those higher exec companies, Fortune 50, Fortune 500, things like that. Like it called me for that. So I just had to reevaluate things. And I, I'm sorry, I'm like <laughs> trying to get ready to get out the door if I'm not answering your question properly, but that's what clicked for me. And that's what I had to do. I just had to reevaluate. Um, I took more courses. I invested more in different practices. I changed up my entire strategy, looking at my business for what it is and what needed to change, what was working, what wasn't working. and just kind of went from there. You answered that question 100% perfectly. And I have a challenge for the people in the room as a result of the question that you answered. See, some of y'all are going to need to face homelessness before you get to a moment to where you have to force yourself to seek that clarity. Okay. Los literally just said he do it every single month. Think about this now. See now a lot of folk, they don't want to do this. They, they don't want to do it twice a year because it's going to force them to have to come to real to, to some realizations. Right. Here's the deal. I don't believe I'm going to challenge everybody to, I know a lot of folk in here are business people. Take some time today, this week, right? To really, really reflect on number one, what you want from your business. What do you want? What do you ultimately want? Right. And put that on, write that on a, on, on a board somewhere, write that down somewhere. What you ultimately want from this, what, what do you want this business to do for you? Or what do you want your life to look like? Then I want you to take everything that is going on in your business and I want you to look at how is everything in this business helping me get fucking here? Okay. How is everything that I'm doing helping me get here? If it does not help you get to that particular place that you put on that fucking wall, right? You need to cut it out. Cut it. Cut it, cut it, cut it out. OK, and 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 figure or or figure out ways to let somebody else do that particular task. OK, figure out ways to let somebody else do that task. Or if it doesn't have a profit center, meaning it does not produce income, it doesn't have a ROI or it doesn't have a return, a good return on investment for the time. Cut it. Go back to that board. Look at that board again. What is my ultimate goal? This is what I ultimately want. Every single thing that you do, every action that you make on a day-to-day basis needs to point to that particular goal. And if it doesn't, it's cool. You just need to cut it. Because if you don't do that, what will happen is you will find yourself in a situation where you're facing homelessness, right? Not because you're not smart, 
not because you're not a good business person or your business is good or your business is that or that. It's because you did not make the critical decisions needed to get you to, to the to the ultimate level and you didn't have clarity. Take it, write it down on the board. Just write it, just write it up there. If your goal is to make this amount of money, 15,000, 20,000, 30,000, 50,000, 100,000, a million, a month or a year, whatever that is, write it on the board. How does this business help me get here? Okay. What does my time freedom look like when I get here? What does my lifestyle look like when I get here? Does this business produce the amount of time freedom, the amount of income, the amount of this, the amount of that, the amount of this, the amount of time with my family, whatever it is for you? Does this business produce it? Does it even have the capacity to do it? Right. Because some of us are in businesses that don't even have the capacity to produce the ultimate fucking goal that we want. Mm-mm-mm. Okay. That's good. So so what we got to do is we need to put that on that wall. Right. And anything that does not serve what is on that wall, it needs to fucking die. Cut it. That's how you plan. That's how you get clarity. If you're not doing that on a very consistent basis, you may just be running on a rat race that that will never end that is not even fruitful you're not even growing you're not even growing you're playing business you're playing entrepreneur listen this is real talk man this this, this these are the conversations right that um, a lot of folk run from. This is the reason why entrepreneurship is hard. People just don't want to make decisions. They don't want to make critical decisions. They know this. They know this. They got to make this decision. They don't want to do it. They don't want to do it. They like playing entrepreneur better. I like it better, man. Just want to put that out there, man. I hope. I hope that that. Uh, I hope that resonated with somebody. Um, you know, um, but but anybody, the floor is open, man. Let's let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. I mean, what else is there to say, Byron? It's quiet for a reason. You dropped it's the like mic, Byron. Stepping on toes. <laughs> I'm like rethinking over here. <laughs> I'm just saying. Hey, Byron, what's up, Kyle? Can I talk for a second, yeah, guys? Jump, or in, no? jump in. Jump okay, in. Okay, yeah. Yeah, no, I love that, man. And that's honestly, that's the shit people need to hear. Like people, um, they, they play it like that. that I'm going to go share that with, with some people on my team. Um, you know, stop playing entrepreneur, like, you know, stop, stop playing the game, stop playing just for the title. And, um, what you said, I've, I've been talking about this a lot recently is like, cause I mean, I'm a single father. I live in a studio apartment you know, you know, with my daughter and I, I mean, I don't have a lot of room at all. And, um, me, that's my pain. So that pushes me. And you were right. You hit it on the head. Like some people need to go homeless to take it to the next level. Or like, um, you know, some people need to get screwed over by a big business partner that leaves them to do it all themselves for them to take it to the next level. I just told the girl this morning, one of the girls on my team, I was like, you know, 
a couple thing, a couple other other things that she does, like she has a like little gambling thing, and she wins sometimes in gambling. And I was like, that right there, that gambling, and this other thing you're doing, I was like, that right there is going to keep you from impacting millions of people's lives because that's your comfort zone. And you know, you have you have that comfort zone that you know you can rely on that money if you totally need it, and you ain't gonna focus on the business because you know you like um like you were saying um. Who shares this quote? I think I forgot her name. Um, Brene Brown. I think it's Brene Brown. She says, or no, no, um, no, Mike or Dr. Michael Beckwith. Um, pain pushes you till vision pulls you. And what you all were basically talking about is the vision, right? And, you know, pain will push you till the vision pulls you. And some people don't have that pain in life yet. And they got to, you know, they got to figure it out themselves or, or you know, and um, you got to look at it as a blessing. Like when life knocks you down and you like your back's up against the wall, you have nowhere to turn, but, but go up and, you know, you like, you got to figure it out in life. If you really, you know, maybe not everybody has that. Not everybody is homeless or not everybody has stuff like that, but you still got to have that mindset. You got to figure out something that drives you so damn much that, you know, cause there's going to be days where you don't want to show up. <laughs> like, let's be real. There's going to be those days. And what I learned is on those days, take like a couple minutes. I learned this from one of my mentors to expand your vision to Cause what it is, is you just don't have something powerful enough. That's pulling you to that next level. So, nice. you know, expand your vision. And, um, but the one thing I want to say real quick though, cause I don't want to hog this mic is the DMO. It's all, uh, you can have the biggest vision, but it's all about the daily method of operations. What, what action steps, like what money producing activities are you going to do? That's going to get you there. So always go back to the basics, do the damn work. I'm nice. out, man. Good stuff. You know, my, my main thing is man, at the end of the day, you know, you don't you shouldn't have to go homeless um to to make the decisions that you already know you need to make. I think um you know um that right there is a problem. You shouldn't have to go homeless before you start making the decisions that you need to make today. It's it's just a it's just a it's a skill set, it's a discipline. You know what I did Sunday Byron? What's that? Man, I wrote down all my expenses, man, personal. Some people need to write down them personal expenses too. Some people don't even know how much they spend in every month. Facts. Some people don't even know how much they got in recurring, all them subscriptions and all that. I had to clean all this shit up on Sunday. What that Dior bill look like, nigga? What's that low? What that Dior bill look like? Oh my god! <laughs> and then you know what? I'm, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm. I live like Byron, man. I'm real frugal until it's time to go somewhere, man. I kind of live, kind of. I, I keep it cool on a regular basis. You know, I do it as needed because I'm a firm believer that you don't want to starve yourself out. And then, you know, one day it might be your time to go. You don't even know it. You ain't had no fun. I mean, damn, you got to have some fun, but you just got to have fun the right way. It ain't about what you what you what you spend it on. It's about how you how you it ain't about what you get. It's about how you get it. You know what I mean? I'm a firm believer in that. Now, the things ain't the problem. It's the way you buy the things. It's the problem. Mm. Oh, wait. Man, oh man, oh man. Listen, I again that challenge is open, man. Listen, man, don't don't be waiting till you go homeless before you had a moment of clarity in you about your business. Cause it's it, you don't have to do that. You understand what I'm saying? You legit don't have to wait till everything is going bad before you start making some decisions. And here's the thing: indecision is still a fucking decision. Let's be real clear about that. 
You not making those critical, uh, having those conversations, right? Looking at that budget, doing some analysis. Listen, you are making decisions when you're when you're when you're not doing those things. I don't care how much embarrassing it may feel or hurtful it may feel. If if you know you know whatever whatever is going on, right? Or, or or that employee that's disrespectful that you know is disrespectful and they're killing the morale of your business and you allowing that shit to happen on your dollar. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Like you need to, you need to really come to grips with that. Be all right with it, man, and just make the decision. Good, bad, ugly, man. Just just a decision made, right? Is puts you in the driver's seat. When when you're not making decisions that you know you need to be making, you are sitting in the passenger seat in your fucking business. And that is a horrible place to be. Because when something comes up, you can't even turn. You can't even hit the brakes. All you can do is adjust the radio and, 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 and add to the distractions. You're not driving. So I just want to put that we out. Got, we got Jay in the building. What's going on, Jay? This is Jay Massey in the building. It's been a minute. Hey, what's up? We're talking about toxic relationships with money. You, uh, you experience any toxic relationships? You got any... Any uh, guidance you could give the folk about avoiding these toxic habits, toxic relationships? Oh, I can't tell you how to avoid them, and I've had too many of them. <laughs> so you should be an expert in identifying them when they come, huh? All I'm going to say is uh, I recently fired people. So Byron, it sounds like sometimes we need to pull the trigger, man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Cut some heads off, man. It, nah, hey, I think Patrice, can I say something? It's almost all the time. Mm. But it's the very thing that we're afraid yeah. to do. For example, when you're afraid to fire someone, here's the, here's the real issue. The real issue is that you didn't develop a smooth onboarding system. You didn't develop a, a, a smooth uh, training system and you also know that y- your um, the process the SOPs for doing the job they're not up to par so what ended up happening is you gave what was supposed to be an employee what you gave someone who was supposed to give you leverage you're the one who gave them leverage that's what I did and we do it all the time because we're in a rush to to get certain things done and we just tell someone something to do and we go cool and the pain feels like it's gone but you know it's it's good fast or cheap choose two and we often choose fast and cheap therefore it's not good and that's part of the challenge it's also part of the human condition you know um, you know when it comes down to it it's also part of the growth process. And, and Byron, while I agree with you, I don't want anyone to wait until they're homeless to get their act together. However, I know for me, had I not been homeless, it, that's that's literally what it took. See, that's the, the other side of that coin is to recognize how addicted to fear, how addicted to status quo, how addicted to looking good someone was or is is it can be seen and what does it take to get them to get out of it that's what it took for me to become me anything less than that if someone had tried to come and soften the blow if someone had kind of come and rescue me if if it that's what it took because i would not have been brave enough 
I wouldn't have developed courage enough to break free. And if I did break free, would I break free to become the biggest and baddest version of me? Or would I just do enough to break free? Because comfort kills dreams. We know this. And yet, it's the very thing we stay addicted to. That financial toxic relationship, the one that we need to be watching out for, is the one that we have with money ourselves. That's the big one. Everything else is just a, an example a further example, a further manifestation of what has already been present from day one. Stuff we learned at home, stuff we didn't learn, wish we learned, mad that we didn't learn, mad that we didn't get that rock'em sock'em robot and that to- uh, you know that toy train uh, at Christmas, and now we act it out because we now have the resources to do so, whatever that may be. And it's just, it's one of those things where... You and I, we don't out-earn our personal growth. It is a constant battle. Um, And I I think I heard Lowe's talking about that Dior budget a second ago. And, you know, on one hand, I am glad Lowe's has introduced me to, you know, Balenciaga and Dior and Giuseppe. But at the same time, I'm like, man, there's a lot of this stuff out here. (laughs) (laughs) And you I, yeah, we'll see you at the, the mastermind with, with them kicks. I say, wait a minute, what's going on with Jay? Man, Jay. Jay, Jay Big Drip. <laughs> yeah, I say, Jay got the drip situation going on. What's happening? He man? acting totally different. You seen it. Hey. You seen it, Prez. My God. <laughs> I, I, I had to get them together, man. He couldn't be around me with them sketches on, man. <laughs> with them sketches. Oh. <laughs> hey, Byron, we're going to talk Jay. <laughs> Oh my God! Yo, not the Skechers, not the Skechers. Talking about I like my Skechers running around talking about they're comfortable. I like my Skechers because they're comfortable. (laughs) But they are comfortable. (laughs) But they were. But they are comfortable. (laughs) (laughs) The Balenciaga socks, they are too. Oh my God! So hey Byron, it's Patrice. Can I say something? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm I'm just hopping into the room. Probably came in obviously right behind Jay. And you know you're talking about um, signs that you're in a financially toxic relationship. So um, you know you can look at it a couple of ways. Are you in a financially toxic relationship with your finances? Because you know if that's the case, what are you not doing? Um, because you don't have to stay in what that looks like. You know, are you paying attention to how you're spending? Are you paying attention to where you're spending? Are you paying attention to um, wants, needs, desires versus, um, you know, being responsible um, with what's going on? And, and, you know, the thing about money, in my opinion, is, you know, people hate the word budget, um, you know, just like you hate the word diet uh, because it sounds so restrictive. But if you are planning um, how you're going to deploy um, the, those those finances? You can you can budget for anything you want. You can budget for the trip to Greece. You can budget to have your uh, you know as a female have your nails done every two and a half weeks. You can budget to have your hair done every week if that's what you, you can put that stuff in your budget. Budgeting doesn't mean that you just don't do stuff that you don't enjoy the money that you make that you don't. Um, not only spend responsibly, but that you play responsibly as well. 
Um, and so it really is, is, you know, learning what that looks like. We, a lot of us, you know, didn't learn any, anything about financial literacy, um, in our homes and it certainly wasn't taught in our schools. So the habits we have good, bad, or otherwise, um, tend to be habits that we, um, watched growing up as kids, what our parents did with money. And, you know, if you watched your parents struggle, then struggle is what you think your finances should look like. And when you get to a point that there's not really a struggle, are you dealing with some level of guilt because you're not struggling like you saw your parents struggle? Um, do you deserve not to struggle? So there's that whole mental aspect of what that looks like as well. So um, let's get ready to storm here. I don't know if y'all can hear that thunder, I but hear I should hear clear. Uh-huh. Yeah, that, that's where I'm at today. So, but, you know, I just kind of wanted to, I, and again, uh, if I'm repeating what has been said, I'll apologize. Um, but I just kind of wanted to add that perspective to the conversation, Byron. Thanks so much. I'm done speaking. It was perfect time. Love it. You know, because even if it was said, sometimes you need to hear it again, damn it, you know. Sometimes you got to hear it again with a remix on it, you know, because uh, everything that was said was on point. But yeah, I, it was. You know what I'm saying? But but Dallas, you know what? I, I'm still challenging folk. I'm still challenging folk to make that decision. I'm still challenging folk to make yes, that sir. decision today, this week. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Y'all, before we get out of here, just know that we are here 6 a.m. until 8.30 or thereafter. Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, again, at 6 a.m. Central Standard Time. You don't want to miss not one episode of Business Over Breakfast Morning Show. Thank you all for joining us. Y'all have a powerful day in the Lord. We'll talk to y'all soon. Be blessed. Absolutely. And, uh, man. Listen, this was this was good. This was good, man. And uh, we got we got some more stuff that we're gonna talk about on tomorrow. Um, we, we we may end up diving back deep again. I don't know. Um, we got to look at that list again, did it? We got to do some reevaluation, man, because um, I think the conversation that we had on yesterday it it opened up some other things that I feel like may need to be touched on because I feel like in that particular space man in that trauma space that mindset space that um that's we got to we got to do some things to help some folk in that situation diddy you know I think I think we got to do some stuff to help some folk for, uh pull out of some of that that jump you know so they can get to these other places where we need folk to be headed when you know that action place we need people taking action but i think until we get that junk sorted out we we may not even be able to get to the action taking places so um we, we may have to figure some stuff out did you know what i'm saying if that's all right with you and uh we're gonna um we're gonna reconvene on tomorrow um but uh yeah with that being said man listen i just pray that everybody have an absolutely blessed day and uh we're gonna see y'all tomorrow To the party, party, jewels all of my body, my body, yo chick on my body, my body, they can't tell me nothing, no. Like stop it, them bitches over there not popping. Hey, we gon' order more bottles, and they can't tell me nothing, no. Got the pull with me. On me. Make the rain, got a budget on me. On me. Lord, check got bands on me. Yeah. Fuck you, man. Oh, yeah. Your body ain't no way.
Y'all be blessed, man. I'm gonna see some of y'all in these internet streets. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> some of y'all we gonna see in the wealth community, in the wealth community's internet streets. You did. Y'all be blessed.